Lloyd, man. No babe is worth it, dude. No. No. Listen, hang with us, man. We'll teach you Bibles for right, you. Right. Lloyd, man, you can't even trust them, That's man. Because right, you know what it's man. about? They spend your money and they tell their friends everything, everything. man. It's about economics. Valid, they tell them everything, That's man. Valid. All you gotta do is find a girl who looks just like her, nail her, and then dump her, man. Dump her, Get man. her off your mind. Right. Your only mistake is that you didn't dump her first. Well, Diane Cord is a show pony. You need a stallion, my friend. Walk with us and you walk tall. Tall, my man. Stitches, man. You can give that kid a compliment. Hey, dude, I better bail. I got a question. You guys know so much about women. How come you're here at, like, a gas and sip on a Saturday night completely alone drinking beers? No women anywhere. By choice, man. Yeah, right, man. It's a conscious choice. It's a choice, man. Choosing to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm choosing it. Dude, where'd she dump you, man? My car. Uh, your car? Oh, man, dissed in the mouth. Oh, heinous. And it's your castle, man. Ah, man, you never had a chance with a girl like that. Hey, man, I was in love once, man. I got hurt really bad. I never want to go through that again. Man, you're bringing me down. Shut up, man. We're nice going to a kegger, Lloyd. We're going to a kegger and we'd like you to come, man. We're going to find you a girl. We're going to find you a babe, man. We're going to find you one hot lit babe. Instantly, promise. That's right, man. No. That's no. right, man. One hot lit babe. Right. Instantly, man. Look, I'm, you. I'm not going to be somebody like Diane Court at a kegger. This girl was different, man. When we go out, we wouldn't even have to go out, you know? We just hang out. She won't talk to me. Oh, well, look at me. Look at me. Come on! Christ, Lord, what are you Get out of your head, boy. Chill, man. Come on. He's wigging, man. He's wigging. What are we with? Dude, I don't even feel that way about my car. He's wigging, ho. He's wigging every day. Wigging every night. Dude, name a babe, all right? Any babe in Seattle, I'll set you up with. What to do? Doesn't know what to do. Diane Court. What to do? Dude, I can't do it, buddy. I forgot how perfect that scene was until I went back and watched it last night. It's been probably a year since I've watched Say Anything all the way through. I'm saying right now it's a perfect film. Can't think of a flaw. I've been thinking about it all week because I watched Singles on Saturday. And then on Monday, we had that like 14-minute discussion with Lisa Desjardins about Cameron Crowe. And about how his films, they really do just... He walks right up to the line of cheesiness. And he never, you know, he never goes over. He knows exactly how... Can you actually lower my microphone just a hair? Cameron Crowe knows exactly how far he can push it, and that's why his movies ring so true, because they, they walk right up to where one step further. It would be corny or unbelievable. You know what else does that is love, actually? Because, you know, it's Valentine's Day, so I was going through stuff last night. I was trying to find it, and I almost pulled something from love, actually, but it was just... Um, I mean, nothing I could find that really worked. I knew worked. you were thinking about Love Actually. I actually thought that that was probably what you were going to find. You know what I pulled from Love Actually? I had, I had actually made a montage of uh, two different scenes. I don't know if that's a montage, mix. I had, I had taken, uh, what's it, uh, Hugh Grant's opening narration. Result, whenever I feel low, I go to Heathrow Airport. Uh, that merged with when, uh, what's his name, Qui-Gon, Liam Neeson, is sitting on the bench with the kid, and the kid goes... 
It's agony. I'm in love. Or whatever, when the kid is telling him that he's in love with some girl in his class, and Liam Neeson is going, well, there's nothing worse than the agony of love. Blah, 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 blah. You know it, what would be a great you know. quote to start the show? It's, it's the uh, opening scene from About a Boy. Oh, that's good, too. Yeah. I should Hugh have Grant thought of that. Yeah, that would have been great. I'm disappointed I haven't thought no, of that No, but to say anything was really good, though. Mm-hmm. So I was watching it last night. I was just flipping through it on my DVD player. God damn, what a flawless movie that is. I mean, it's just wonderful. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's a, No, it's... But see, that's the other I thing about Cameron Crowe. I never watched the bathtub scene. No, it's just... Uh-huh. I'm finishing up in here! <laughs> the worst scene in that movie, and you know this... The worst the thing in the movie is when he's buying the luggage. Yeah, is when is when he gets a, when his credit card gets declined while he's buying the. I'm supposed to cut it up, but why don't you just keep it? it makes you want to kill yourself. I think it's. I mean, maybe it's bad for women to watch that scene too, but for a guy, you watch that scene and say anything when John Mahoney is in there buying the luggage and he's about to, and you know he's about to ask the uh, what's her name, the sales lady, out on a date, and then his, and then like all nine of his credit cards get declined all at once. It's the worst thing ever. Jesus. And here's the thing, but this is what I'm saying. It's a flawless movie. The thing about Cameron Crowe is, as we were saying this earlier this week, it's like we're on some Jeremy Piven Cameron Crowe kick. Um, but he he really does uh, have that knack for taking everyday moments and illustrating them in ways that are not dull. A lot of things that happen to you every day aren't all that interesting. If people go, well, he really depicts real life. Well, the real life is really just unbelievably tedious sometimes. Oftentimes, real life is just watching a bad, uneventful security cam file. Uh, But Cameron Crowe really does take those moments, and he illustrates them in a way that makes them really wonderful and really awkward. Here's the other thing, even moments that are funny. Like that sequence we just played where Jeremy Pippen and the guys are sitting outside the gas and sip eating Funyuns or whatever. Every guy knows guys like that. The worst line in that entire speech we just played is when Jeremy Piven says, it's when Jeremy Piven says, Diane Court was a show pony. You need a stallion. Walk with us and you walk tall. Which makes me cringe because I went to high school with about 900 guys like that. Jesus. All right. Anywho, we'll teach you Bibles full of truth. It is the Ray Kemmerster Radio Program. It is 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of February, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plusly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, uh, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. You want to uh, join us today. 503 733 970 for your comments, your clarifications, your kvetches, your two cents, uh, your what have you. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the uh, what have you, the whatever, the odds, the ends, the in-between, the unclassifiable or undefinable. It's 503-733-2970. You want to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com, uh, Sarah with an H at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, All right, uh, so it's Thursday. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastamom. Now, here's the thing. This is like one of those, um, am I thinking of It's a Wonderful Life or the Folgers Crystals? Steve thinks he's coming on to talk about some billboard in Times Square. What is it? It's, a, it's an M&M's billboard? Something, yeah, Chris was saying like some naked cowboy thing or something. There's something about some billboard in Times Square and some 
jackholes filing a lawsuit about it, whatever. Uh, he doesn't. Steve thinks that's what he's coming out to discuss. That's not really the case. We're gonna t we're gonna talk about this story. I meant to get to this yesterday. Tim came in yesterday. Says, I have the greatest New York story ever for you. And I sort of read little bits of it, but we never really got to the entire thing. Am I to understand you don't have sound on this story, too? I, I might have some. Okay. Tease. Let me just... Now, I'll give a little bit more than I did yesterday. We will get to this story today because we're, because Steve Kastenbaum is going to talk to us about it a little bit. This is from uh, the New York Daily News. It just starts... I don't even know where to begin. The headline is great. The first line of the actual story proper is great. And then it's got that phrase about halfway through... There was lots of anger involved. This was clearly very personal. Oh, and how about this? this? It's also got the phrase, There was just blood everywhere. <laughs> Which I know, like, isn't funny, like, in a sort of objective sense. I have no sense. idea what the story's about. But you know what that, that phrase, There was just blood everywhere, reminds me of that great moment in Superbad when the cops are sitting in the bar with McLovin, and they're talking, and the one guy... The, the one cop, his like little, you know, his whatever, his like radio keeps going off, his CB or whatever. The guy goes, so much blood, and it just like turns it off so we can keep drinking. Anyway, I'm just gonna read you the opening sentence here, and then we'll get to more of the story with Steve later. And then Tim apparently has sound on it. One can only wager a guess as to what the sound might be, since the first sentence of the story is a cleaver wielding patient. <laughs> ah, right there. A cleaver-wielding patient hacked his psychologist to death in her Upper East Side office Tuesday night. The psycho, says the New York Daily News, attacked Catherine uh, Fahey, 57, during a therapy session, which was apparently not being as productive as some might have hoped. Repeatedly chopping her body with a meat cleaver. Oh, good God. A police source said, lots of anger. This was clearly very personal. There was just blood everywhere. So there you go. Oh, he apparently had two different knives with him. Like he had a backup knife. Anyway, they then said, in what I think must be a case of considerable understatement, afterward the office was in some disarray. Ah, New York City. America's melting pot. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. Here's what else is coming up today. Uh, we'll talk to Bob Noodles Costantini uh, today. It, I never really thought, and this is the last day that I think this will be discussed because I can sort of feel the culture overdosing on this. I am in a little bit of a, a different position because we haven't talked about it a whole lot. Um, but there was there's this whole business of this, this this steroid investigation in front of Congress, which is sort I of thought the, it was about stopping the guy on the floor in the wheelchair. <laughs> no, there's that too. There's that's that the, the latest, cop. That's the latest Lee Britney alone video <laughs> of the cop turning the guy over in the, the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! Did you see Jane Fonda saying the c word this morning? I didn't see it, but I heard about it. I have the audio of Jane Fonda. What is the show? It's not. It's the thing on NBC in the morning. It's um today, tomorrow, today, yesterday. Hello. Howdy, whatever that show is in the morning. They're talking to Jane Fonda about the vagina. The vagina. I can't even say it now. About the vagina monologues. And Jane Fonda just says the C word right there on television. Wonderful. Uh, and I have, good for her age. I have the audio of it. Um, anyway, so we've got Bob Costantini who will be joining us today about the steroid investigation. Uh, today's uh, top five. We'll get to that geek watch today. Uh, we will uh, investigate the phenomenon of Frankenslang. And we have It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard and a Half. 
All right. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Oh, we just received word that Romney will throw all his support to McCain. Well, so now you know he's definitely going to win. Yeah. Uh, another bicyclist is hit today in Portland, and now they're going to put up these bike boxes. They're going to paint them at 15 city intersections. That means bikes will wait in front of cars, and everyone's going to be upset about this. Uh, a Portland pickle plant will close. Rick Steves will try to change the marijuana laws. Jane Fonda, as we said, uses vulgarity on television. Uh, TEP requires that those seeking Oregon driver's licenses get the blessing from the legislature. Take that, you illegal aliens. Uh, Manhattan remains on edge following the meat cleaver murder. Razor blades are found in Florida Halloween candy. We'll have uh, plenty of heartwarming uh, love day tales. And the best story of all, ain't that American? The Pentagon will shoot down that satellite that's malfunctioning before it hits the Earth. We're going to shoot it down with missiles. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Will we be able to see it from Earth? Yeah, well, I get to, now what is this? That's what you're talking to Bob Costantini about. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I thought I was talking to Bob Costantini about Congress and steroids. Nope. No, not anymore. Well, all right. Now, is this one of our satellites? or One they, of ours. Yeah, that's how they used to say everything in the Cold War era. One of ours or one of theirs. Like, And it didn't matter who they were. It was just it was they, the, the great non-us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, it seems too late to make up a that's going to wake up the Cloverfield monster joke. But it seems like it's going to do something bad. Because aren't they all powered by plutonium? Aren't they all just filled with radiation and hate up there? I would imagine so. Fantastic. Well, I hope I can watch it. You know, because there's all of those um, sort of... Uh, astronomical phenomena that, I, that I'm never really able to see. You know, like every year we have a, you know, this year if you stand on your roof and look due east at, at 9.52, you'll be able to see the Aurora Borealis. No one can see that. No one's ever seen the Aurora Borealis. That's a thing they talk about every year, don't they? You see, there's some news story that, you know, the northern lights are I'm visible sure tonight. people see the Aurora Borealis. Have you ever seen a meteor? No. Yes. You have seen a meteor. Uh, I Wait, it, hold on. Was this when you were nine years old and like? No, I was living in Van Nuys and I thought it crashed on Van Nuys Boulevard. What <laughs> <laughs> so a place for a meteor! It was a big green thing. <laughs> so this wasn't when when you and yours were wearing earmuffs and taking the syrup out of trees or something no. when you were when you were five. No, this was just a few years ago. So it would have been '96. Uh, you know, in my head, your whole childhood was one big one of those uh, Norman Rockwell calendars that hangs in your dentist's office. Where it's just like it's just like a bunch of kids on sleds with like a beagle sort of running running behind them going down to the old fishing hole. We had a bloodhound. <laughs> really? Did you? Yeah. Did he wear? Did you? Would you dress him up in like a Sherlock Holmes costume? No. The uh, state police tried to tried to train him to uh, go on the ski patrol, and he was untrainable. He gave the police officer an ulcer, so he was promptly returned to us. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, anyway, so more on those stories coming up. Join today as are we always with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are Hello. you? Hello. Hi, how's life? Oh, it's fabulous. Would you like to tell everybody what you told me? <laughs> no. I sound like a principal. Would you like to repeat to your parents what you told me earlier today? Okay, I'm just going to all lead off. So here, so Sarah and I were talking before the show, and I love stories that begin with, I wrote this down, we begin with the following phrase. So I guess I was more drunk last night than I thought I was. I had only had a couple cocktails, and uh-huh. then sometimes when I get home, like um, you chase it with a few more when you get home. No, I don't. I don't keep alcohol in my house. Um, Is that true? Yeah. Not even beer. Mm-mm. Why? Now let me hold on. Hold on. Let me let okay, me back. Let me back control up. Myself. I just no, never. I just never have it. I don't. Do you mean you don't keep alcohol in your house, or you can't keep alcohol in your house? No, I just never do. I mean, I have actually. No, I have a bottle of uh, wine, and um, like a couple bottles of wine. But that's about it. I, by the way, can I just say this? I was driving along somewhere the other day. I forget where it was. Driving along some supermarket or something, and I saw the best sign outside. It wasn't. It wasn't like a 
like a Safeway or a, you know, one of those big stores. It was sort of a small, like a market thing. And it just said this actual phrase. It says, buy her some wine. That's all it said. Not... (laughs) Not for Valentine's Day, not a bottle of wine, not a nice kind of wine. Buy her some wine. And it didn't even really imply that it was sort of like, especially for this week, it was just maybe it's like a general state of affairs. Just try to keep your wife boozed up. All right, so you don't... Yeah, I never have liquor in my house just because I never drink liquor. I don't... Like, it's always... Like, if I have people over, it's usually just beer or wine. And if I do have, like, vodka or something, it's just because I had a party. So, the story you're about to tell, there was no additional intoxication that happened before this no. took place. This was all... It all... was not... It's not that big. Actually, it was kind of freaky. Oh, not, what am I supposed to say? Okay, but I can I, tell but you... I went home and... Let me just tell you this. I'll relay the story as you, t- as you told it to me this morning. Tell me if I'm wrong. So, you have been out last night, having a few, and then... You went home, and then you woke up this morning, and I guess... It's well, and I, I, I recalled more as I saw, like, the napkin next to my bed. I'm like, oh, yeah, what did I eat? Then you <laughs> ate an entire mini loaf of bread. It wasn't... There were like mini loaves. Right. It was like... No, it's like the cocktail bread like Nigel Tufnell has in Spinal Tap, but it's, it's a like whole a loaf. small little loaf. But, but the best part is that you didn't remember eating it until you looked at, like, a tub of butter that was sitting out, and you saw, quote, a bunch of holes jabbed into the butter, implying that you had just sat there... And as I having us no, and and I and I apologize. I already apologized for this once this morning. I'll do it again. But I always picture you like Bridget Jones with your big bunny slippers and just Andrew Gold playing in the background. And you've got a loaf of mini bread just into the butter, into it your was, mouth. From into what the I recall, butter. it was really good. Uh huh. And then my mom sent me like some. Um, she always sends me a Valentine's Day package. What was it this year, Sarah? I was like chocolate and like five bucks and some Spanish candies. And um, and a box of like you know like five fancy chocolates. Uh huh. And I guess I ate those. Too. <laughs> now, do you remember eating any of this? Well, I do now. Are you willing yourself to remember it? No, I I remember. Are you just constructing like an artist rendering? I feel like you're making fun of me. I'm not. I'm not. I think it's I, I think it's sort of amusing. That's all. I just think it's funny. I, here's why. Because I was, the, you know what? The chocolates did catch me off guard. I'm like, oh, I ate those. <laughs> See, it's funny. Oh, here's there why was still it's... a couple. There were like one or two left in there. <laughs> because I was like, it was a small heart. Are you afraid that you'll go home and find like a whole, like a big empty box of dates or something and you you'll know, realize? I'm just always happy when I wake up and, you know, both my doors are locked and Muppets, you know, in my room with me. Here's the only reason why it's funny. Because it is like some weird sort of trashy version of CSI. Where you're having to, like, where you're walking into the room, like, what's his name, Grissom, and, like, looking around and going, all right, well, from the evidence, we can deduce. And I think that's great that you have to work backward from the empty box of chocolates and holes in the butter. But it was in the kitchen, so I think I'm, and my kitchen's pretty far from my bedroom, so I'm, like, I was do you suppose you, do sitting you, in the kitchen, like, shoving that, my face full of chocolate. That, how great is that? Now, that was going to be my next question, is do you suppose that you went home after having uh, had some cocktails and then you walked right into the kitchen? So I gotta get me some eating, and you just stand there, and then you went to bed, or did you? Did I think you, it was probably you, the bread and then the and then the chocolate. Do you think you went to bed first and then got? Do you ever sleep eat? No. To the best of your knowledge, you no. don't get up and then Mm-mm. walk into the kitchen to eat. No, no, no. All right, okay. I did think of you last night. By the way, I had a box of uh, macaroni uh, before I went to bed while watching Battlestar wow, Galactica. All class people say. No, no, no. I say because you got that box of forty-eight Easy Macs or whatever it is uh, for Black Love Day yesterday. So. Anyway, no. I'm, well, thanks for making me feel like an idiot. I, Why am I single? <laughs> it's, it has nothing to do with that. Like I said, I I sat there and ate macaroni out of a pan last night. So don't really, really. Tim is the only one here who has any sort of class. It really is just him. In any event, all right. 
Uh, so what else is coming up? Oh, by the way, I've got to read a couple of emails about... We had this great top five yesterday uh, that Sarah did about the top five mood-killing songs. Songs that a guy could put on and it would break the mood that had otherwise been established. So we've got this one. This one says, one of those songs was Father Figure by George Michael. This guy says, Rick, about Father Figure. When I was a senior in high school, I was fortunate enough to have a late-night encounter with a beautiful sophomore cheerleader, and Father Figure had been playing on the radio. It was one of those once-in-a-lifetime hookups that one can never repeat in their late 30s, no matter how cool I might think I am. Anyway, a week after the amazing event with this cheerleader, I showed up at a party, and the same cheerleader happened to be there. She saw me, immediately ran over to the stereo, stopped the music, and put on Father Figure again. He said, I... Being a jackass, proceeded to ignore her and hit on some ugly skank for the rest of the night. I never heard from her again. Thanks for bringing back such an awful memory. I'm now going to sit under my desk and cry the rest of the afternoon. There you go. Glad we could help, sir. Uh, let's see. What else do we do before we uh, before we take a break here? Uh, we happen to know uh, Fergie, not pregnant. God, she's weird looking these Was days. Was she supposed to be pregnant? Well... She's never supposed to be pregnant. There are people who are never, ever supposed to I be pregnant. I get her confused with other allegedly pregnant people. <laughs> like, oh, like Sierra, Sienna? See, who's the American Idol, the rehab? I don't know. I hate to use the word skank again, just after that one guy used it. But they, what's her gut? Sienna, Sierra, I can't whoever. keep all these chicks apart, really. But you know why? But you know why? That's, I think it's Sierra Miller, or is that an actress? The the porn? And yeah, she just did Sierra that. Sierra Magic. And is now unpregnant? <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to refer to. TMZ again used the creepy phrase, is no longer pregnant, but is covered in weird pockmarks. So. Yeah, I read that article yesterday, and, it's, and it was saying how she they, she would not specify what happened yeah. to the unborn child or whatever. I'm like, that's terrible. <laughs> but I, uh, but not unlike Pam Anderson, uh, the day like literally, I think six hours after she became unpregnant, she was seen out just like guzzling from a bottle of rot gut in a club somewhere. So uh, all right, let's see what else. Um, small note I made to myself. This was a note that I made to myself last night at 7:19 p.m. It's because of a billboard that is uh, here, uh, is right off of First Avenue. Cutest girl who is also completely unattractive, Mary Lou Retton. There I go. Just uh, file that away. Let's see, what else? I think that may be it. Father figure, uh, Mary Lou Retton, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, oh, and finally, I just I want to say one, one final thing here. I've got it over here. So... You know, we've been doing this thing where we go out once a week and we kind of you know, we we stop by the houses of some listeners and say, uh, you know, thanks for listening and they yell, get off my lawn. <laughs> they they say this is a good way to get shot. Uh, we had we had that from one guy. He wasn't a listener, but we did stop by somebody's house because the deal is we go out on on uh, usually Wednesdays. Terry from the street then I was street team and I will go out on Wednesdays. We'll stop by the houses of some of the uh, glorious bastards, and we'll say, hey, thanks for listening, have a thing, here's a prize, wah, 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 wah. And usually if they have, you know, if, they're, if they are flanked on either side by other houses or apartments or whatever, we'll knock on the door and say, hey, my name is, you know, Rick Emerson from CBS Radio. We, there's a great station or show you to listen to. Here's a little lineup, you know, to check out the station when we get a chance. And I should have known we were in trouble a couple weeks ago. We went to 82nd, and literally the mm-hmm. very first guy we talked to, we knock on the door. He opens the door and he leans out, and it's just that weird mixture of like that smell of like, like bad corn mash and death. And he just says, "Standing on my porch is a good way to get shot." And we just sort of went, "Okay, bye." 
Um, but normally they arm us with some pretty great things to give away. Like we, I think last uh, week we were giving away passes to a Will Ferrell movie, and before that we were giving away passes to something else. Here's what we had last night. Yes, we had a box of 500 I Am Legend car fresheners. Right here. <laughs> what? We have right Can I please see that? A, a box of 500 I Am Legend car air fresheners. I just wanted to... There you go. And have one over there. Oh. There you go. Take three. So... Are you... We're not going to be getting rid of those anytime soon. So Ooh, if, they're kind of stinky. Yeah, so if Rick Emerson... What do they smell like? I don't there you know. Go. They smell like desperation they and smell failure. Like Richie after too many squirts. <laughs> so if Rick Emerson comes to your house anytime soon, he will in fact be giving you an I Am Legend car freshener. Yes, we care about our audience just that much. That much. It really is. As only we really? can do it. Uh, all right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, hello. Hello. How can we help you, sir? Well, I, first of all, I was wondering. Uh, you know, he, sp- he spread that vinegar around his house in the movie I Am Legend. Do the car. Do the car fresheners smell like I don't know vinegar? what they smell like. I mean, they, they smell I'm like... Not, I'm um, going to open one. They smell like about a month too late, for one thing. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I I really don't understand. Oh, and I mean, who decides that this is something they're going to hang? That you know what'll really get the babes? I'm going to hang this I am legend car freshener. You should smell that. I really. I don't understand. I don't understand the the appeal of these. It's just this is one of those things that that somebody was just checking off boxes in an online form in a conference room somewhere in Manhattan as they were planning the marketing of the film, and the guy went, you know, keychains check, beer cozies check, hats check. Car freshener, check. And he wasn't even bothering to read it. It was just like, let's put, as Mel Brooks says in the Spaceballs, put the movie's name on everything. Uh, yes, how can I help you today? Well, uh, Sarah, yes. I just wanted to say you are a Wait, hold sweetheart. on, hold on, hold on. What? Now, I have to interject here. Is this going to be, now, are you, is this going to be something where you're going to say, Sarah, blah, 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 Valentine's Day, blah, blah, blah? Uh, well, I, I'm not going to be creepy. I'm just going to say, hey. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you have a good day. You're Portland sweetheart. Oh, thank okay. You. Well, see, there you go. Happy that was Valentine's nice. Day to you. That was nice. Thank Thanks, you, sir. sir. All right. There you go. Thank you. Good day. All right. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How are you? What's up? Well, uh, when I was a sophomore in college, I had been dating a girl who subsequently became my wife, but we were trying to set up her roommate with my roommate, went into, uh, had them both in our dorm room. That uh, sounds creepy. We had well, them both yeah. in the dorm room far from help. <laughs> well, Phone out of, out of the corner of, my, corner of my eye, I'm watching my roommate uh, put on a record album, and I'm thinking, okay. Wait, hold on. Let's... Let me set the scene. So this is you and a, a guy roommate and Correct. two girls. So you, it's a double date in the dorm room. Correct. All right. He goes yeah. over to the record player. Yeah. And he puts on that... Oh, that just pathetic, silly love song song by, by Paul, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney? Oh, yeah. I could have... I could have killed the man. Yeah, let me just tell you this right now. There's no song written by Paul McCartney, probably even uh, while he was in the Beatles. I can't really think of any sultry love songs written by Paul McCartney. No, no. I mean, and especially since he le- it's nobody says, hey, before we have sex, let me put on the Spies Like Us soundtrack. Ooh, <laughs> sexy. And by the way, before I go, uh, yeah. my that, uh, that wife that I have, uh, yeah. her mafia name is Chimpy Nuts. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Wonderful. Uh huh. All right. 
Anyway, uh, we'll take a break here in a second. We'll come back. Uh, Bob Noodles Costantini will join us. Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, Jane Fonda says the C word on NBC this morning. Have we all heard Hillary Clinton's horrible campaign song? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Today. Oh, we're, we're, you know what? Rick Emerson's going to play it uh, later on. It's it's one and a half worst songs today. We've got that, and then we've got the, the one that we've been sort of been building up to. Um, so we'll get to that. Uh, also, did you manage to watch the Indiana Jones trailer, Tim Riley? I still haven't had time. Yes. Here's the thing. Set it to download like now because it's going to take forever. It, it took me. I mean, it took me probably 40 minutes for it to buffer no, all the I way in my want, computer. I went to geekinthecity.com and I just clicked play and. Now was it a QuickTime video when you watched it, or was it no, on it was YouTube? Just, it, no, no, it was just an embedded video on Aaron's website. Oh, see, okay, then he went to a different. I'll have to go there then because I went to the like to, to, whatever IndianaJones.com or whatever it is, um, and it just took it. It, it took forever uh, because I got I had sort of forgotten that it was coming out today because oh, this is loading right away. That Indiana Jones trailer. It opens tomorrow with the Spiderwick Chronicles, that movie. Um, but I know they leaked it online today, or they didn't leak it, but you know they put it out in advance today. And I, I woke up this morning and I already had like nine text messages from guys like, check out the awesomeness that is Indiana Jones 4. So I came to work. It looks pretty damn cool. I went right to IndianaJones.com. I set it to download. It just took forever. And as and as the progress, and I'm one of those guys that when I'm going to watch something like that online, I won't watch it until it's buffered all the way because I can't let it get 80% of the way through and then stick at the end. So it's like I have to sit there until the entire trailer is buffered. So right as it got to the last, I felt like Peter Gibbons in Office Space, right as it got to the last, like, you know, quarter inch of buffering, I was just sitting there going, come on, come on. And I finally I found myself getting up from the desk and going off to, like, do tasks, hoping that when I got back it would be buffered all the way. Like, well, I better carry this piece of paper over to Susan's office. I need to go refill my water glass. Mm, I have it. It's already. It's, it's pretty great. It's not really. It doesn't really work on the air because it's almost all action and music and setup and whatever. But if you go to geekinthecity.com, you can see the trailer, the teaser trailer anyway, for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I can tell you, it's pretty cool. It put a big, I, I, it put a big dopey smile on my face. I'll tell you that. It's pretty great. And the fact that right out of the gate, they address the fact that Indy's like a hundred years old mm. is pretty good too, because they're being. I don't know, they're being held hostage by communists or somebody. And the one character says to Indiana Jones, you know, this isn't going to be easy. And, you know, he just has that great grizzled, not as easy as it used to be. Because he's all just, and they're try, they're not trying to make him look young, which is great. They're not trying to fake it and say that he's still like 40 years of age. Shia LaBeouf doesn't seem to be that irritating, which I feared he might be. It's pretty great. So go to uh, geekinthecity.com and check out the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh... All right. Well, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. Bob Costantini around the corner. Uh, later on, Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer joining us today as always. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio. All right. It's 503-733-29. the hell am I doing? Five oh, did I, is that the right number? <laughs> yes. 503-733-2970. It's one of those days. I, I feel all... Uh, you think you're giving out the old number again? I feel like I'm unmoored inside. I feel like a Zeppelin whose moorings have just been severed. I feel like all the thoughts in my head aren't really anchored. They're just sort of floating around inside my head. You know what the thoughts inside my head are like? The thoughts inside my head are like one of those uh, screensaver things that, like, bounces around the inside of your monitor when it goes to screensaver mode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not really anchored in the middle. Just sort of bounces around, hits a corner, bounces to the other side. That's what the thoughts are like inside my head today. In case you're just joining us, the cutest girl who is also completely unattractive is Mary Lou Redden. Like, just in case you were wondering. 
Uh, let's see. We have a question for Sarah from a female listener here uh, that we'll get to in just a, a skosh. Because right now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Bob Constant Teeny joining us from Washington, D.C. Hello, Hello sir. There, How are you, my friend? Uh, fine, fine. Doing well. How's life at CNN? How are things? Oh, it's always uh, wonderful. Now, I thought we were talking about one thing, but apparently we're talking about something altogether different, because betwixt this morning and now, I guess the United States has decided to live inside a 1955 Roger Corman monster film and shoot down a satellite, which will undoubtedly mutate some previously benign form of life, which will then kill us all. This is interesting. Uh, yeah, Rick, the um, Pentagon is holding a briefing right now, as a matter of fact, uh, going over this idea of shooting down this satellite. They do not... Uh, want much of it left once it hits Earth, uh, even if it um, you know, splashes into the ocean, because the Earth is about 70% water. Um, they would prefer, uh, and in a sense, they also want to test out the ability to shoot something down like this. Now, now, do satellites and the thing that I, because I'm of a certain age, I always go back to Skylab, and yeah. Skylab was this thing that I remember watching news, even as a, even a small child, watching the news and being told that Skylab, which is a space station, yeah. w was just going to come down and kill everybody. It was just the other thing. And they did everything, but Skylab will fall on your house, Rick Emerson. Yeah. I remember watching the television, not really able to differentiate sort of uh, sensationalistic scare headlines from, you know, actual truth, and really being convinced that, 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 that when I left to go to school in the morning, Skylab was going to plummet out of, the, out of the, the heavens somehow and just crush me. So... Do things like Skylab this? Parties. <laughs> now, now, first of all, let's stop. A, did Skylab ever land somewhere, Bob Costantini? Uh, yes, I believe. And um, harkening back, was it to 1978, 79, whatever sure. that was exactly? Um, but it did, uh, I think, crashed into the ocean. But um, yeah, we had a we had a Skylab party in my neighborhood in Baltimore. Um, I wore an old Colts helmet. <laughs> you had to wear a hard hat to go. Uh, to the to party at this bar. Well, you know, if you're living in Baltimore, let's be honest, you're best off wearing a helmet and Kevlar all the no. time anyway. I mean, really, come on. <laughs> because at any point, any time there's a celebration of anything in Baltimore, isn't it celebrated by about 80% of the populace firing handguns into the air? Come on. You've, uh, you've watched too much of The Wire. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the people I know who are from Baltimore, none of them plan to move back anytime soon. Let me put it that way. Um, all right, so don't satellites... I mean, is this a thing that happens every day? Like, do satellites plummet into the Earth constantly and they just don't really ever tell us about it? No, um, it's uh, relatively rare, but there is a lot of space stuff up there now. Um, and is that every the, once in a while. That's uh, the scientific term? What was a, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, satellites, debris. Um, uh, now, generally, uh, debris, which might fall out of uh, orbit or something, trash even, some things like that, um, usually it burns up before it re-enters the atmosphere. In this case, they believe uh, enough of this satellite will survive that they don't want to necessarily take any chances. The uh, technology would get into the wrong hands, so they're going to try to shoot it down. They, according to Pentagon officials who've told CNN, they really don't see any other uh, clear option to what? this. The technology will fall into the wrong hands. I don't even really know what that means. Is it? What are we afraid it's that? It's a spy satellite. It, it, so it, it actually is a spy satellite. It's not like one of those things where we're afraid that Ivan is going to somehow be able to get free HBO or something. No, no. This is uh, this is a, a broken down spy satellite um, that uh, 
from what I understand, never really worked too well. Sarah um, just did the best thing. Sarah just in, Sarah looked over me, and Sarah and I've gotten really good at reading each other's lips because we don't have a we're in the same room, and so we don't have a we don't have a talk back in our. We, we are really good lip readers. We, yeah, because we don't have a talk back here because we're all in one big room, and so Sarah just looked over at me and made air quotes, and she went. After you said spy satellite, broken down spy satellite, Sarah went, so they say. <laughs> so they say. Well, you and I, I mean. <laughs> Believe it, me. It seems like if it's a broken down spy satellite, what do we care if they get it? That's like, that, then you'll be like, well, we can't give them this Model A. We don't want them to be up on our automobile technology. Um, yeah, no, this is uh, this is how we look down on uh, other organiz other countries um, you know, monitor communication, something along those lines. They've been a bit coy as to uh, exactly what this satellite does. Um, but it seems as though, uh, you know, they, they do not want anybody to get a hold of it. And they're going to attempt, uh, from what we're hearing, uh, to shoot it down with a ship-based uh, missile. Here's a really uh, one or two. Here's a weird question. It's and a maybe, pretty big thing, apparently, too. Maybe you can answer this. Maybe you can't. It, it, one ties into two here. Here's one. A, why don't we... I can't believe I just said, here's one, and then I said, A. <laughs> here's one. Why don't they just build these satellites so when they start to go, you know, belly up, that we could just press a button and they just bl blow into little bits? It seems like that would be a lot easier. And that leads into two, which is, do you suppose the military it just, you know, it's been a while since they've been able to shoot anything with a missile, and so they just are hankering to do it, and this seems like a good opportunity? Well, there's part of that, actually, um, that, uh, you know, uh, Pentagon watchers would say, uh, because we have been, you know, coming up with this uh, uh, defense missile shields, um, missile defense shield, I should say. Uh, it used to be called Star Wars and that kind of thing. Um, the, we are trying to show that it's possible to shoot down something along those lines, and this is in the, ca in the case of uh, this satellite. It's a relatively slow thing, eventually uh, supposed to be coming back into Earth's atmosphere, and it weighs three to four tons. So it's uh, it's supposedly going to be relatively slow. It should make for a relatively easy target compared to a, a missile launched from another country that uh, might be designed to avoid, uh, uh, you know, a missile defense system. Well, all right, then. Anti-missile -miss missiles, as they call them. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, and... Um... Yeah, let's see. Tim Riley has just handed this to me. Uh, House Democrats have approved contempt citations against White House Chief of Staff Josh Bolton. Really? And White House uh, former White House Counsel Harry Myers, President Bush, blah 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 blah. Before the vote, House Republicans staged a walkout, lopsided vote. Um, so there's something. So there's lots of things in the news today. And then, um, and I was going to ask you this thing about steroids, but I realized that I don't care. Unless somebody, really, unless because this is. Here's a dumb question. Here's what I want to know about the steroid thing, and I know that it's not a big deal, because, and I don't even really follow sports that much. Is this a crime, like a jail crime? Oh, um, it's... Um... Because if so, wh why wouldn't they just be at the police station? You know what I mean? It's like the fact that they're being... I always have this theory that when someone is being testifying in front of Congress or being investigated by Congress, that tips the hand right there that they're never going to go to jail. Because if somebody really broke... I mean, like, because... I can't remember if Oliver North, did, Oliver North never, never was any even really convicted of anything, was he? Um, he, he was, uh, he was, boy, you've really run the gamut here. <laughs> this is how my brain works some days, Bob, I I'm sorry. I, I wish I'd have looked all this stuff up, but Ali um, North, I believe, uh, was convicted of... Um, but did he go to jail? Did he, did he serve any time or anything? I, I 
I don't remember if he, if he did. It was relatively short. I don't think so. And see, that's that's the deal. Like it's a, you know, whenever Michael Corleone or Oliver North or somebody or you know Roger Clemens, whenever they're in front of Congress, you know they're not really going to serve any time. Why? If they'd actually broken a law, Andy Sipowitz would be beating them with a rubber hose in the basement of the station house. So well, it, 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 a lot of this is a convergence in a sense because it is of Congress trying to flex its muscles. Um, uh, and say we are still relevant because the contempt citation that you mentioned against the two uh, Bush administration officials are because they did not um, come to testify about the firing of the uh, U.S. attorneys. And so the House Judiciary Committee brought these contempt citations, and then the House just voted on them a few minutes ago um, because, you know, feeling that if um, members of the administration can simply ignore subpoenas by the House, um, then, uh, you know, then all heck breaks loose. And um, the idea that other people could lie in terms of the uh, steroid thing, the idea that Clemens and or McNamee could lie in front of Congress uh, is would cause a lot of consternation as well. Well, they are but lying in front of Congress. Flex, I mean, flex <laughs> house muscles. I mean, the idea, and that's what we well, the, the, the theory that one or both of them may be lying. Well, clearly, one of them is lying. That's yeah. that's why that's what makes it so wholly unsatisfying to me. Is you just, I mean, you just want somebody just you want somebody just to get out the waterboard and say, all right, now look, we're we're going to settle this by lunch. So, all right, Bob, on a scale of one to ten. How much do you regret coming on the show today? Um, oh, not at all. I never <laughs> regret coming on the show. I'm always trying to be prepared and ready, but um, I just don't happen to recall whether Ollie North uh, uh, went to jail. Can I just tell you this? I you know, I could Google it quickly. You know what I realize this show sometimes is, Bob? Some, I do realize that occasionally this show is like a decathlon whose events are actually kept secret from the participants until they are at the starting line. Right. And then suddenly the guy goes, javelin, curling, 100-yard dash, swimming, go, you know. So, all right. Um, all right, Bob, enjoy. Always are you happy on, to swim with you. Are you? Okay. Are you on tomorrow? Uh, no, Lisa will be back. All right. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Enjoy your day. Take care, Rick. Bob Gossett, Danny, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. CNN radio correspondent, Bob Costantini from the Hill. I didn't mean to throw him with my disbelief that the, those were spy satellites. Well, like, it's a, when's the government going to tell us? Like, but they, they're not going to tell us. No, no, of course not. And if there was something really, I mean, I just always assume, it's like I take it as an article of faith, that the government only, always, always, always tells us 20% of the truth and nothing more. Mm. Never, ever, ever, ever. And it's a spy satellite. Let's just... Well, the fact, yeah, I believe that they exist, but I mean that's just well, the fact so that, silly. that they would admit it's a spy satellite means I mean there was a time when they wouldn't even admit there were spy satellites. I mean the government used to no, there are no spy satellites. We are not capable of spying on other countries with secret cameras hidden in space. And they wouldn't even admit that. Uh, so now that they admit that there are spy satellites, you know that they're only admitting that, like because now there's something even further off in the darkness that they're not telling us about. Mm -hmm. Like I remember, well, two things. A, I am nutty today. I I just I don't know what my deal is. A, um, Laura and I were watching this documentary on um, Fidel Castro the other day because um, I'm sort of a documentary nut and whatnot. Anyway, so we're watching this documentary on Fidel Castro, and I mean, and this is not like a nutcase conspiracy documentary. I'm like they're interviewing guys who used to work for the you know like they're talking about Alan Dulles, who was the head of the CIA at one point, and this is all stuff that is widely known now. But they're talking about how at one point there was a whole wing of the CIA whose sole job was to come up with interesting ways to kill Fidel Castro. And they had, at one point, 
there was like nine guys in the CIA who had a little laboratory where, I swear to you, they were inventing, wait for it, exploding cigars to kill Fidel Castro. And the deal is they were going to slip an exploding, like it sounds, I mean, it sounds stupid. It sounds like a, it sounds like a Three Stooges film. They were going to slip an exploding cigar into Fidel Castro's cigar box. And so one day he'd be lighting up a cigar, and bam, no head. The CIA also had this thing where they were going to put um, a powder on his shoes, like a shoe polish, but it would make his beard fall out because they felt that that would humiliate him with Cuba's very you know, machismo culture. So they, the CIA was plotting to secretly make Fidel's beard fall out. Hmm. I mean, that's what our government spends its time on. So the fact that they are now willing to say, well, it's a spy satellite we're going to have to shoot down, that really means that they're willing to let that go. For something so much worse. Yeah, because they've secretly got a cyborg army uh, living underneath Area 51 or something. So, speaking of Area 51, before we get Steve, did you see in the Indiana Jones trailer, there's that whole chase through the Ark of the Covenant warehouse, and mm -hmm. then at the end, there's the Roswell box. <gasps> box. I didn't see the Roswell okay, box. Here's the thing. Go back and watch the trailer again. There's a sequence where... I th I, they cut it really close, so it's hard to tell. But I think it's Indy leaning in to look at something, and then they cut to a picture of a crate, uh, like a wooden crate, and you see, as though the crate were magnetized, you see a pair of glasses fly through the air and stick to the side of the crate, like there was a super magnet inside. But the crate says Roswell. Oh, boy. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, from New York City, I'm getting in a group now. I was a little off kilter first 20 minutes. I think I'm finding my mark today. I think we'll feel better after we have one of Helen's cookies. Indeed They're looking we will. at me. Uh, hello, Steve Kassebaum from New York City, where the living is easy. How are you, sir? I love when I call into your show, and the very first thing I hear as soon as the station picks up is you saying, I'm nutty today. <laughs> I, I was just, we were just talking to Bob Costantini. And it was one of those calls where I got about – and by the way, a day like today is always a day that, like, the consultant would be in town. That's – I mean, we don't have a consultant, uh, you know, thank holy God above. But th this is – today is one of those shows – like, we were doing the top of the hour early, you know, the beginning of the show, the show opening. And I realized at one point we were 11 minutes into the beginning of the show, and I had never said my name, the name of the show, <laughs> the name of the station. I hadn't given anything. I was busy talking about a John Cusack yeah. film for like nine minutes. Oh, and then great. I finally looked at the clock and I thought, Christ, hello, it's the Rick Emerson show. And I never said, so it's one of those, but it would all, and you've worked in radio, you worked at 1010 Wins. It's, it's always a day like today when it's not that I'm, you know, not my own amusing, charming self. It's, it's just that, like, today's a day where all of my thoughts are a little unconnected. They're sort of floating around in my head like so many conversational balloons. Mm -hmm. And this would be the day that I would get off the air and they would say, well, so-and-so, the consultant, has secretly been staying downtown at the Marriott, taping your first 40 minutes, always the worst. You know, and that's the other thing. When you would do an air check session, you'd sit down and it, it, it almost... I mean, it was almost just perfectly bad, where you would sit down and the PD or the consultant had selected, like, the worst 32 minutes of that day's show for your air check session. And as I soon as he starts to play, you're like, oh, no, not this. Set. No, it was an anomaly, sir. You know, anyway. I used to hate that. I, before I worked at 10 Ted Winds, I DJed at a station on Long Island, and, and the, uh, it was a small station to begin with, so I really didn't have any trust in, in the consultants that they could actually afford to hire, you know? <laughs> it was like some guy, like Lucy Van Pelt, like the consultant is in, five cents. 
And let's be honest, consultants were nothing more than failed program directors yep. who were nothing more than failed DJs. <laughs> it's, it's very true. It's absolutely true. Mm. So, uh, in any event, so I don't even know what we're talking about. So, so I'm a little, I'm a little wacky today. That's all. How are you an Indiana Jones fan? Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I've even thought about it, but I, I am. I used to watch uh, those Indiana Jones movies every time they would come on, you know, in reruns and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. you got to uh, go to indianajones.com or geekinthecity.com, uh, which is probably the better way to do it, and you can see the trailer for the new Indiana Jones film, oh. uh, which came out today. It looks, and you know what? It's got Kate Blanchett as a hot Rusky. So, really? uh, yeah, I think she plays like, she looks like she plays a, like a Soviet officer of some kind. Um, anyway, so it's a, it does look pretty badass, I have to say that. I'll uh, check it out. Have you seen the trailer for the, uh, the upcoming Adam Sandler movie this summer, Don't Mess with the Zohan? Uh, oh, no, no, no. You know what I saw is I saw the, the poster for that when I went to see, <clears throat> I went to see, um, Cloverfield and the poster for that Adam Sandler movie is out there. I, I run real hot and cold with Adam Sandler. I, uh, that guy's a mixed bag with me. Me too, but but you know, as a member of the tribe, I have to say I'm really looking forward to his uh, portrayal of an ex-Mossad agent from Israel who wants to, whose dream is to become a hairstylist in the U.S. Now is that? Now I'm really not uh, trying to be naive for its own sake, but really, is that what the movie's about? Because literally, all I know about the film until just now was the poster, where it's like him with a him with a, and I have to say this, him with a fantastic hairdo. Holding, you know, and, and, and I think in a leather jacket, maybe holding a gun or something. So is that the deal? He plays, he plays an ex-Mossad agent? Yeah, he's supposed to be. He's a former Israeli soldier who had become uh, Israel's uh, best Mossad agent or best killer, something like that. And his real dream is he wants to leave Israel. He can't stand the fighting anymore. He wants to cut hair. Fantastic. <laughs> That's, you know, I'm sold on it right then. Can I just say this? I did at one point, I was telling the story to somebody upstairs uh, last week, I think. Uh, I used to work in another market, and I worked with, there was a saleswoman I worked with who had been an Israeli tank commander. And, like, when she left that, what was her, you know, when she, she came to America, what was her thing? Radio sales. And so she went, <laughs> she went right from being, and man, and I have to say, I know this, this is one of those things that I'll say, and Sarah will sort of roll her eyes because I'm being creepy in some low-grade fashion. I have to say, there are these photographs of her. It, like in her full-on like Israeli uh, military garb, like with an Uzi, it was like the hottest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. Oh I'm yeah, when I when I went to Israel, I visited a a, a base up north uh, within Israel, and uh, the base commander was uh, like a 28-year-old mother of two. Yeah. And let me tell you something: uh, 28-year-old mothers of two in the U.S. Army do not look like that here. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's it is. Uh, I, it, it was, it was, a, and I kind of got a weakness for Jewish girls anyway. And she just, and it was like her holding the heavy, like the heavy firearm, like, and plus knowing even, and we would just like go on these sales calls together. And she, you know, she's, you know, at that point, she's a regular, you know, she's trying to pitch an annual to some car dealer or whatever. But just sitting at the table with her while we're talking to the client, knowing that at any moment she could probably kill everybody in the room in like fifteen <laughs> different ways, it was like the hottest thing. Um, I know you're talking a little bit about this this billboard in Times Square. So, and then I have something else to sort of follow it up with. But I this is one of those stories, and I don't think it's because, as I said, I'm a little nutty today. It just I don't understand anything in this naked Eminem Times Square cowboy <laughs> lawsuit billboard. Oh man, I don't understand you know, anything in this story. You know the naked cowboy? Have you ever seen pictures or videos of this guy? I don't. Again, Times Square. Oh. Uh, Sarah, you must know who he is. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, he's been in commercials and stuff. He's this guy, I'm not even sure where he's from, but for like the past 10 years, 
in all sorts of weather, in heat waves and rain and snow showers. He stands out in Times Square for a little while in a pair of tidy whiteies, a white cowboy hat, white cowboy boots, and a guitar. And he just sort of strums his guitar and sings and takes pictures with the hordes of tourists. I'm not even sure what he's supposed to be doing, right? So it, we found out what he has been doing this week. He's been creating a brand, as he told me. Uh, and he's now suing uh, the makers of M&M's because on their electronic billboard for M&M's World in Times Square, right. they had two uh, those two M&M uh, characters dressed up uh, like the naked cowboy in Times Square playing guitar. Yeah, like an animated thing. You know, that whole thing with the weird, uh, you know, the, the anthropomorphized uh, M&M's is just weird anyway. And it goes far beyond the business of a, of a, of a, a, a talking food item, which presumably wants you to eat it. Um, <laughs> there's all kinds of weirdness with that. Like like the, the fact, although never acknowledged, the fact that M&M Mars is very aware of the, the, the urban legend about the green M&M's and the aphrodisiac properties and so forth, which is why the green M&M is the only one that's a woman. Right. And it's a weird thing that like, they don't talk about, but you know they're aware. Here, okay, And here's another weird thing about the talking M&M's campaign. Did you ever watch the HBO show Oz. Oh yeah. Okay. You know uh, Schillinger, who was like some nutcase Nazi rapist guy. Uh huh. You know he's the voice of the yellow M M&M. and M. He is. He is. He is. Um, J- oh wow. J.K. Simmons. He was also the dad in Juno. He and, was. Uh, oh yeah. He was. What was, what was that other movie? And he was. He... In, and he's in Spider Man too. Um, oh really? Yeah. He's uh. What's his name? Who runs the uh, Who runs the paper? Uh, I think if I'm remembering my if I'm not getting my superhero movies cr- mixed up, but J.K. Simmons, yeah, he was he was Schillinger in Oz. He's the dad in Juno. He's been in you know a whole bunch he, of different things. He was in that movie with Tom Cruise. What was it? The 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 Gentleman's Club? I forgot what it was called. Where they're uh, gonna rob the the safe at the uh, at the casino that's on a riverboat and oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, very funny movie. Yeah, I just remember the first time I was watching a television commercial and it's like all of these talking M and M's come out and it's all fun and games and then the yellow M M&M and M opens its mouth and it's the Nazi from Oz. <laughs> I remember just kind of like pulling back to the TV and being like, that ain't right. I'm just laughing now because in that other movie I was talking about, he had irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all of his classic lines in that movie. Ah, oh, great. This is one of those um this is one of those shows that solidifies our hold, sir, on the eighteen to forty four year old male demographic. <laughs> so could you just see the M M&M and M with irritable bowel syndrome? <laughs> In a weird way, I really can. For yeah. ways, for ways, for reasons that I won't elaborate on here. Hey, for some people, chocolate has that effect. Yes, that is true, Steve. Katz. Oh, by the way, before we go, uh, it's just, I don't know to what extent you were talking about this, but what about this nutcase? This this, this story that, and it started with um, this sentence: a cleaver wielding patient. Oh yeah, this is a, this is one of those only in New York murder cases. Uh, a psychologist. Uh, in uh, an office on, on the Tony Upper East Side, uh, was bludgeoned to death, hacked to death by by somebody with uh, a meat cleaver, and they caught the guy coming and going from the office space in this apartment building on a security video uh, surveillance camera. And uh, police are now questioning somebody in Pennsylvania in connection with the case. They're really uh, hesitant to call him a suspect because they're questioning this guy now. Uh, you know, obviously it came to them. Uh, from a tip or a lead or something like that, but uh, but this poor woman, uh, they don't they don't know if the the person who killed her was uh, um, a patient of hers or what. But another therapist who shared the office space with her tried to come to her aid, and and he was badly injured by this hatchet wielding guy as well. It's just one of those things that 
it is one of those uh, methods of killing or crime that you, you somehow think really is only confined to, like, bad 1980s films with names like Nailgun Massacre. Yeah. You know, and then a guy actually has... Co- I wouldn't even know where to buy a meat cleaver. Can I tell you that? I wouldn't <laughs> even know where to get one. I'm, I don't think they just sell one at the supermarket. That's a specialty item. William-Sonoma. A- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're happy to have this endorsement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so are you on tomorrow? Uh, no, I actually have a, a, one of the very nice company's bonus days off. Excellent. A comp day. Yeah, I love when they do that. It's a surprise, and mine's scheduled for tomorrow. All right, sir. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week, my brother. So long. All right, there you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. Tim Riley, have ye news for us coming up in mere moments? More than we could possibly do in one day. That really is always the case, isn't it? Excellent. All right. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing well. Excellent. It's a good day. I can just feel it. I still want a cookie, though. Oh, yeah, when we get back, we'll open it. We have uh, Helen. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. If you haven't heard Helen call the show, she's called us twice, I think, since we've been here. Uh, Both times have been a blessing. Oh, she's the goat donkey lady. She is the woman who owns a goat and a donkey. Is that right? Yes. And likes our program except for all the foul language we use. Anyway, she dropped off some Valentine's Day presents. We'll open those when we get back. Plus the news with Tim Riley. Stay there. Back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Why, hello there. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer will uh, join us. Uh, top five, it's the worst song you've ever heard. And uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is your personal savior, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's a tale of Republican love as Romney endorses John McCain. So that pretty much seals the deal on that. We'll be back to more tales of love, but first, <laughs> a, Portland, a Portland pickle plant will close. Say that three times fast. It is the, the Bay Valley Foods pickle plant. They're closing down and has 88 employees. Uh, the company, which is owned by Treehouse Foods, said pickle volumes in Portland have dropped. You had your chance to rescue this, but you didn't buy enough pickles. It's our fault. Mm-hmm. All right. So it makes the plant more expensive if you don't buy pickles, and that's what happened here. So wait, so where is what? It's not in Portland proper. I the guess pickle so. plant. It doesn't, it doesn't. The Portland pickle plant <laughs> is in Portland proper. It's the Portland pickle plant, which is not in Portland proper, is perishing because of a paucity of pickle purchases. Right. Yeah. They first opened My life is so small. <laughs> My life is so dumb and filled with petty victories. Um, and as what happens when big companies buy things, they uh, strip down everything that's going on there yeah. to the barest of nothing, and then they go out of business after they've sucked it dry. And that's what happened with the Portland pickle plant that is closing, because no one will buy pickles in Portland. Does it? <laughs> which operates in Portland proper? Does it now? Does it actually? Is it actually in Portland or is it in some outlying it town? It says Portland, Oregon. All right. It doesn't. I've make, never even heard of it. I don't even know. It must be a secret location. I was going to ask. Now, when I first saw the headline, I thought it was going to be one of those stories where the neighbors were complaining about it because the whole neighborhood like reeked of vinegar and dill or something. But let's go around the room here. Your favorite variety, pickle. Go. I'm not a big pickle fan, but I do like the mini pickles. But I mean, dill, sweet bread and butter. A uh, dill. 
Tim? I hate pickles. My dad used to make them in a in a barrel in the uh, basement. Was it oh, like in a, was it in a big crock? A big One of those crock, huge yeah. porcelain crocks. Mm-hmm. My mom would do that. Uh, the, the crock was only used for two things. The crock was used for sauerkraut and for pickles. That's it. Yeah, people born during the depression make weird things in barrels in their basements. <laughs> And no other age group would bother. Or that's, that's totally true, actually. That would explain my mom. Oh, yeah. These people born in the 30s, they have all kinds of things. You know, there was a prohibition going on, and they were making booze, and then they settled for pickles after that, apparently. Uh, you know, that that actually does explain a lot. And God love my mom, because my mom is one of those things that I... I, this starts to turn into a whole therapy session, at which point I have to hack you all up with an axe. But uh-huh. I will say, so this pickle plant is actually in St. John's well, on that, North Rivergate, that tells which isn't which isn't far from where all the illegal aliens were at that uh, Del Monte yeah, plant. Del Monte plant. Um, I really do wish, in many ways, I had more of my mom's traits. I mean, did you ever think about your parents and like from from which parent most of your traits come? Sadly, almost all of my traits come from my dad, who is just a reprehensible human being. So. You know, so that's unfortunate. I don't think I have a lot of my mom in me as far as, like, personality goes. Um, and, 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 you know, my mom is very industrious. And I don't mean that, like, in a woman's work is in the home sort of it. But, I mean, she just really – and maybe it is a depression thing. Because my mom is, you know, she's a lot older than my dad was. She, my mom was born in the early 30s. Um, and it, my mom, not only <laughs> the thing of, like, mixing up a bunch of weird vegetable combinations in the basement and a huge crocky thing, um, but my mom, I wouldn't, I would never say that my mom hoarded food. My grandfather did. My mom didn't. But my mom was a, like, a canning fiend. I mean, yeah. all summer long, just in the kitchen, hair plastered to her head because the kitchen is 140 degrees and filled with steam all day because she's in there making dozens and dozens and dozens of jars of like canned pears um you know which is which is great i mean then you in winter came we didn't have to go to the store and buy stuff it's like we would always have it but you're right that is a generational thing yeah and i had grandparents that buried potatoes in the basement because they they came from Eastern Europe, and apparently when the Russians invaded, they went after their potatoes. <laughs> I was I was going to ask if that's so the KGB wouldn't come mm-hmm. and get them, so Stalin's henchmen wouldn't come and loot your potatoes. My uh, that that beats my grandfather's story. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had taken photographs of my grandfather's house when he died, because when my grandfather finally kicked it. Um, and, and my God, as much as as much as I much as I don't and didn't get along with my dad, my dad just had one of the worst jobs in history, which is that when his dad, his dad, my grandfather died, my dad and uncle had to go through and you know my grandfather lived by himself, um, had to go through and clean his house, and of course that's you know that sucks, and I suppose it's depressing under the best of circumstances, you got to clean out your dead parents' house, but. You know, my grandfather, though, like a lot of Depression-era people, had just turned into a pack-ratting nutcase. And, I mean, just saved things that there was no need for. I mean, you don't, and I, the, the anecdote that I always tell, which sounds made up, is that he just saved cases and cases of maxi pads. Like, like he would go to the store, there's a, or, you know, there's a sale on tampons. But my grandfather was like a 65-year-old single man. No need for tampons in his house. And that were never opened buy them and he would write on the side where he bought them how much they were uh, you know like what date he bought them on and then they would just go in the corner of his house um same thing with like razor blades and soap and just all kinds of crap and it was like a, what we would now recognize as a combination of hoarding and ocd uh, but at the time we just thought he was a nutcase uh oh and man and newspapers the other the, the one fine my everything but the pets uh you know he, that was the only thing that separated him from those stories you see where they find like 900 chinchillas in some guy's house. 
He had everything but the animals. The, the other thing that my grandfather had done is he had saved. At some point, he, the craziness had reached some level to where he decided he had to start keeping every newspaper. So he just saved every day's newspaper, and he would set it very carefully on top of a stack. And when the, st when the stack reached the ceiling, he would start another stack right next to it. And so eventually his entire house was filled with newspapers stacked literally floor to ceiling. And it was just like a windy um, tunnel through the newspapers that would lead from, like, the bedroom to the bathroom or the kitchen to the front door. I mean, hmm. it really was like being underground. There were tunnels through the newspapers, but the rest of his house was filled with either these boxes of, like, dry goods that he had purchased or newspapers stacked all the way to the ceiling. God damn, just a lunatic he was. So, all Good right. for him. I'm just saying. See what you trigger by talking about pickle plants in Portland proper that are perishing due to a paucity of pickle purchases? Yes, I do. I did almost that entire thing from memory. All right, here's Tim Riley. Happy birthday, Oregon. The Beaver State is 149 years old. It is the only state inducted into the Union on Valentine's Day. So they're uh, gathering the, around the uh, Capitol Rotunda today for a lunchtime uh, celebration. Thomas Lauderdale of the Pink Martinis will play the piano and conduct an assembly and a rousing rendition of Happy Birthday. The 20-minute event kicks off a 365-day countdown to Oregon's 150th birthday party, which is next year. That rotunda is sort of an unpleasant. Doesn't rotunda sound like it would be the name of a... Rotunda, rotunda, left on your hair. I was just going to say, rotunda would be the name of son of an unpleasant daughter in like a Piers Anthony novel. And my daughter, rotunda. Oh, hello. You know, and she would just sort of roll out. Rotunda would be the fashion... She shouldn't be too difficult to find. <laughs> rotunda would be the daughter that they kept trying to marry off to a prince, but no one in the village would have her. She commemorates Oregon's 150th she, she Rotunda would be one of those daughters in Shrek that they couldn't quite find a man for. It's sad. My daughter, my daughters Missy and Penelope are fine. Rotunda seems to have difficulty finding a man. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I used to be a pickle picker when I was a kid. You used to be what, huh? A pickle picker when I was a kid. No uh, one, you, actually in Vancouver, I mean, it was cucumbers, no but they were all going to, yeah. uh, for uh, Steinfeld's. And, um, Steinfeld's yeah. makes a fine, that's a fine pickle, it really is. That's a great pickle, very crisp. And actually, you know, back, back in the day, uh, everybody used to work in the strawberry fields, and, um, you know, they... They didn't know really about uh, picking cucumbers. Actually, it was more profitable, a lot more profitable. As a kid, you know, you're making like 30, 40 bucks a day. Now, here's a weird thing about cucumbers. So, cucumbers are, they are a fruit because they have seeds on the inside, I believe. Is that the deal? I can never remember. Anyway, I have no clue. But here's my thing. Okay, so you got a cucumber, and then you got the seeds inside. What are those little black things that are all over the outside of the cucumber that seem like they are seeds? Because you pick up a cucumber, you know what I'm talking about? The little black uh, balls on the outside, and then they fall away when you touch them with your hand. Seems like those ought to be seeds, but they can't be because the seeds are like on the inside. I think defense mechanism for the cucumber to keep... Uh, you know, rodents or whatever. From Predators or something away from it? Yep, yeah, mm. because they're, you know, they're a little bit prickly. Maybe. All right. All right. I, we've reached Best the end of this ever. particular road. Thank you. All right. I dig cucumbers. I really do. I'm a big fan of pickles, too. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Oh, what happened again? A cyclist is now recovering after colliding with the delivery truck shortly before midnight at OHSU. Well, lucky it was close to the hospital. 
The bicyclist has been upgraded to fair condition. It occurred in the 600 block of Southwest Campus Drive. The truck delivered only pain. Uh, so anyway, just to irritate everybody involved, now they're painting these bike boxes at 15 intersections. Now, this, these bike boxes are designed to place the cyclist out in front of vehicles that are stopped so the drivers can see them. So they're getting in the way of traffic that's going by, and it's not going to make anybody happy, but apparently it's this big safety thing. So uh, it's only 15 intersections, so hopefully it's not any of yours. That seems like a little bit of a cosmetic uh, sort of it. That's not It's ridiculous. No, it is. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, good afternoon, Rick. Is this about pickles? This is not. Okay, go this ahead. This is about pack ratting. Okay. I have I have a grandmother who's an obsessive compulsive QVC shopper. Uh huh. And so in her house she has a pathway to walk through because it's, it's wall to wall, floor to ceiling boxes. Yeah, she's nuts. And I kid you not, one we went with Thanksgiving one day, or one uh, year, she goes in the other room, comes back with a box, opens it up, and it's silverware. She starts setting the table straight from the box right to the table. Of course. UBC silverware. And then now, did she keep the silverware when it was done, or she throw it away or rebox it? Oh, reboxed it. Of oh course. yeah. But the the UPS guy knew her by name because he was there every single day. It's, and how old was she at the time? Oh wow, she could fart dust. Um, <laughs> okay, I guess what I was asking really the the larger question there was was she when was she born? Uh. Jesus was born uh, right around the same time Jesus. All right. So she's old. old. All right. Thank you. Yeah. No, but you're right. I do think it is. Uh, thank you, sir. I think it's. Uh, I think it is like a depression uh, thing, though. Um, the, the, where I mean, you, you never know what you're getting to eat. It could be uh, meatballs and bent carpet tacks. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever go to? A, did you ever go to a, a relative's house who was not altogether nutty, but starting to get a little fuzzy around the edges, and they would serve you food? And you, you would have to stop and sort of think about it because you weren't really positive that what they were serving you was, like, well-prepared or, you know what I mean? Like, you weren't all I – had, I had this friend of mine. Uh, I went to school with a guy whose mom was uh, not originally from this country. She was from um, – she was from his, – his dad uh, was uh, an American. His mom – had come here from what we now refer to as a developing nation. I don't think we're allowed to say third world countries anymore. I think that's... Oh, we're not? No, I was reading a thing about Nicaragua. That's the next place that Lara's trying to give us. Let's go to Nicaragua. Like everybody wants to go to freaking Nicaragua. What's there to see there? I don't know. And it's so much for me to ask that she leaves the car with the cap, you know, a quarter tank of gas. Yet I'm being asked to go to Nicaragua. Where I'm pretty sure they just, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't even really know... Like in Nicaragua, Nicaragua, don't you just picture that looking like that game Contra, where it's just nothing but jungles and gunfire? I mean, I really don't know, but I looked it up, and apparently, while looking up Nicaragua on, on Wikipedia, I was told by Wikipedia that we no longer say third world country. Apparently, that's considered impolite. We now say developing nation. So, anyway, I'd what like, would they do if we're not being polite? I don't know, but you know, I told her that I'd really rather, if we have to go on another vacation outside the country, I'd like to go to a country that's already developed. You know, get back to me when the country's developed. Mm -hmm. It's like eating a loaf of bread that's only halfway cooked. You let me let me know when it's finished. But uh, but anyway, his his dad was from here. His mom had uh, come here from a developing nation, and she had still not really gra she wasn't nuts as such. It's just that she had not really grasped how to make some up traditional American meals. And I remember the one that always sticks in my head. I remember going over there for breakfast one morning, or hang, or I'd had I stayed the night, or we'd you know he'd had like a you know, whatever, a sleepover or whatever for his birthday or something. Anyway, so, we're, you know, I'm like 10. We all wake up. His mom, you know, 
who wants breakfast? You know, and we go into the kitchen. Oh, I, I can't wait to have breakfast. And she brings us all pancakes. And it's like we cut right into the pancakes, and they're, they're not cooked in the middle. Just like the whole, uh. like, just cooked on the outside. And he, I remember the, my friend trying to patiently explain to his mom that in America, you, you were expected to cook things all the way through here. We're civilized people. You, in America, it's not enough to just warm the food. Here's Tim Riley. Well, so this, uh, this satellite we're supposed to shoot down, now we know a little bit more. They're going to use a Navy missile known as a standard Missile 3. It's going to be fired in an attempt to intercept the satellite prior to it crashing into the Earth. It's not going to work. It will be next to impossible to hit the satellite after that because, oh, so they're going to hit it just right. They're going to hit the fuel tank, believe it or not. That's they're aiming to hit the fuel tank to minimize the amount of fuel that returns to Earth and burns people alive in their homes. <laughs> now, if this initial shoot-down fails, well, they quit. You're, no you're decision doomed. will be made whether or not to take a second shot. No, it's, it, the first one will fail. We can't ever hit anything. I mean, I think... None of those like missile intercept things ever work, do they? I mean, there aren't just colossal failures at this point. Yes. When is when when have we ever intercepted anything with a missile? Well, we claimed that during we, we, the first Gulf War. Didn't we claim we were doing it? Yeah, and then the Israelis said, um, "No, no." <laughs> we hate to ruin things for CNN, but <laughs> what you just described did not happen. <laughs> especially because, I mean, especially because during the first Gulf War, I mean, Saddam was effectively just using like. Like a Flintstones catapult to like throw his missiles in the air. Like no guidance. None of your. I always what like the Scud. It even sounds like a terribly ineffective primitive weapon. What have you got, Scud? Scud sounds like a name for some sort of off-putting girl that you Wait, try to pick up a... on a Friday night. She's a real Scud, dude. It's a wash tub full of cement. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I mean, and I was never clear about where Saddam in. I know this sounds weird, but I miss Saddam. You know, in a weird way, he was sort of nutty. He was kind of kooky, sort of, you know, because he didn't really, like, he had big dreams, but did, couldn't really ever pull anything off successfully. He was sort of a bumbling, look, look what it did now. And they conveniently found him in a hole. Yes. The, I remember during Gulf One, they were saying, well, Saddam is launching these Scud missiles, and they weren't even, like, a missile implies tracking and guidance and radar. And, yeah, this was just a thing where, like, a bunch of guys would get together like at a like, like a, a Mennonite barn raising and just, all right, pull! And then it would just sort of fly, you know, wherever. And I always wondered where he bought those. Like, who is the Scud dealer to, to the Middle East? Like, is that where there's some guy in a turban and a scimitar with, like, opening the trunk of his car? Well, those are Russian weapons. Are they? Yeah. I would expect the Russians to make better weapons than that. Well, they're not going to sell them the good stuff. I guess not. Is that a We thing? do the same thing. That's a thing where, like, you... Uh... You know, we give them factory remnants. <laughs> Reconditioned. Mm -hmm. Now, Saddam, these scuds have been opened, and they have had some use. They have gone back to the factory for a full refurbishing. Scratch and dent sale. You, you, exactly. When you buy something at Fry's that's already been opened, and it's got that weird pink... Uh, certificate they put on the front of it. It's like limited 45-day refurbishment warranty, which basically means I think that somebody bought it and then dropped it into his swimming pool and then stepped on it while trying to get it back into the box and then ran over it on his way to the uh, to the store. Or had to smash a toilet to get it back. <laughs> and then they sell it to me because I'm a cheap bastard. So you can buy a new one for one ninety nine, but if you don't mind a little bit of scratching and feces, this one is only $14. So I think that's where the Scud came from. It doesn't have some of your fancier features like being able to aim. But, for, you know, it is your best value. Jesus. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, the, uh, the Portland police have arrested a 65-year-old man described as a convicted murderer, a bank robber, and a career criminal. 
Uh, Leroy Freddy was seen leaving a store near Barber Boulevard in Hamilton, which is close to here. I bet it was a 7-Eleven. Isn't that Hamilton? Does it not specify what he was robbing? No, he wasn't robbing anything. He was just leaving Oh, the and store. he was just walking out of the store and then... This is one okay. of those cold case right. things. Yeah. Uh, then they spotted him boarding a trolley for Portland. These are the kind of people... <laughs> sort of a happy thief. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. So they followed the trolley and saw him get on a bus. They radioed for help. He was taken into custody as he left the store. I wonder if he was hanging off the side and grinning at the camera. <laughs> in the 1970s, they robbed a bank, then carjacked a 19-year-old woman at gunpoint, then killed her. Oh. Then he was paroled in 2004. And, of course, he was seen uh, on public transportation where everybody ends <laughs> where up. Where everybody sort of ends up. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, I apologize that this is no longer a staple of your show, but uh, being one of the greater percentage of the people in your audience that's a delivery man, yes, sir. Uh, I just kind of wanted to say that there's a there's like a stakeout cop thing going on in between southbound on 99E, between Hawthorne and Powell, or I guess the Ross Island Bridge, and they're just pulling people over just at a sick proportion. Where the man is laying in wait. Oh, and they are a very atypical grouping of men, too, with the, I mean, they've got the, the stereotypical police mustache and glasses, that Monopoly man swagger, you know, that they <laughs> that look that they have. Oh, damn them. With anyway. Those, with, right, so there's a speed trap between uh, Powell and Hawthorne? And yeah, well, it's time? southbound. If you're coming out of downtown on the east side, it's um, it starts at Hawthorne and it goes through to kind of like the Ross Island Bridge. Are they swapping people for their DNA? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Are they living <laughs> in Florida where they're like, give me a mouth sample. Spit into this cup. Do it now. Uh, <laughs> they've been doing this. That place is just horrible for like the last 30 days. It's been every day and today it's exceptionally bad. I always wonder, and I don't think we've ever gotten, and everybody sort of claims to know this. Everybody's like, no, 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 I know, dude. I, I have a friend of mine who's a cop. Who, but we've never gotten a straight answer on whether... Not a quota system as such, but whether on certain weeks they just move certain things to the top of the priority list. Like if there is a, like a two or four or five day stretch where some memo goes out where the guy just says, all right, this week speeders are the priority. Because you're right, it always is in clumps. Like you'll never see the speed trap. And, and then percentages, if you drive around a lot and ask a lot of people like myself, I mean, it, it certainly seems like there's like a, a pattern or a rhythm or a percentage of like days of the month where that happens. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I don't know. I don't know if that's like when they look up and they're not going to meet budget that month or something. All right. Totally. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. There you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Do you remember around 2000, uh, maybe early 2001, there was a story uh, the PlayStation 2 was just about to come out, and there was a story being circulated that Saddam Hussein was trying to get a hold of something like some 200-unit shipment of PlayStation 2s because he was going to take out the super-advanced new processor in the PlayStation 2 and use it for his missile guidance system. I don't remember hearing that, but I like it. I'm, You know what it is? I'm retroactively liking it. I, In my head, I am now sticking that back into my 2002 file and laughing at it. That's really good. I... I mean, and the thing about that is, like all urban legend, it has just like the kernel of believability because, A, it, it plays into two things. A, our belief that the Japanese make things of almost frightening advancement, and B, uh, it, that Saddam Hussein basically had an army. That he was he was like those guys yesterday where everybody were living on cookies made out of dirt and weeds. So that's a great story. I'm going to start passing it off as truth right now. There you go. Thank you, sir. Remember the other urban leg legends from that time, like Saddam's rape rooms? Yeah. Funny, we never heard any more about those. Well, I think they change them into Starbucks or open up Starbucks inside of them. <laughs> I'd like a double latte. <laughs> oh. I thought that would get a laugh from Sarah. I was working latte and rape together into one show. 
Yeah, rape jokes. <laughs> Just don't find them so funny. I got to work harder. All right. Uh, well, those are things from a bygone era anyway. Starbucks? No, Saddam's rape rooms. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, all right. Jesus. It is one of those days, and I don't think it's just me, by the way. Is it just me? Yes, it's just you. Sarah? I think you got distracted by the glowing ball. Yeah, it's not, I like that thing. It's, it's not changing colors anymore. I don't know. It's, it's Maybe you should rub it. No one knows where it is. Hold on a second. Hold rub on. the ball. Wait just a second. Um... um Maybe you have to shake it or something. Okay, so... Oh, help. it's turning green. No, but see, no. that's just if you tur- actually turn the ball. Maybe All you right. should describe to the audience exactly what this is, because I've never seen such a thing. All right, so Helen, the uh, the woman with the donkey and the goat and the whatever, who mm-hmm. called up and liked our show but wished that we wouldn't use such foul language, and she was very, generally very adorable. Yes. She dropped off a couple of Valentine's Day boxes for us, and we haven't really opened them yet. It looks like there's some cookies and some whatever. But one of the gifts inside this Valentine's uh, box that she brought us was a small plastic ball about the size of a baseball and it's a hard plastic ball about the size of a baseball that is you press a button on the bottom and it lights up and it's blue um and when we first turned it on it was doing the coolest thing of i know this is totally pointless no one cares this is another thing they pull for the consultant he's talking about a light up ball that no one can see but when we would turn it on and it would cycle through different colors the ball would be blue green white yellow orange it would just cycle through it's really miraculous but then I turned it off and turned it back on, and now it won't change color anymore. And there aren't any additional buttons on it. There's just the one. And so I fear that, like, I've broken it or something somehow. So, anyway. Well, that was fun. There's a thing no one cares about. Let's take a break. Oh, Richie knows how to fix the ball. Richie, do you know how to fix it? Uh, all right, let's take a break. we we'll be back after this. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, Tim Riley returns with more news around the corner. Uh, later on, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Top five worst songs you've ever heard. And a guide to hypnosis, the Frank Sinatra way. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Radio program. I love the song. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come today, uh, we have a National Enquirer uh, woman, Dorothy Garcisari. I can never remember her exact job title. So I would try to say Dorothy Garcisari from the National Enquirer. Uh, let's see. Uh, so she's joining us later on. We'll do the uh, top five. It's the worst song you've ever heard. This is Tim Riley. Say everybody knows who Rick Steves is, don't they? Yes, we do. I love Rick Steves. Everybody does. Well, uh, Washington State is launching a new campaign to get people talking about changing the marijuana laws, and they've hired Rick Steves in the effort. He filmed a 30-minute video for the ACLU, in which he says he's traveled all over Europe, which he has, and he's learned that it makes more sense to treat marijuana use as a public health issue than it does to arrest people for using it. 
The ACLU says it's trying to start a national conversation on whether American drug laws are working with regard to marijuana. Well, that's just pointless. The organization says nearly 830,000 people have been arrested on marijuana charges every year, 90% of them for possession. And that's what the U.S. Uh, spends far too much money on, prosecuting and throwing people in jail for this uh, Mary Jane stuff. Uh, the Beatles' London flat is up for sale. The band share this three-bedroom top-floor priority on Green Street, Mayfair. In the autumn of 1963, manager Brian Epstein found the flat to give the band some privacy from the hordes of screaming fans following their second number one hit, She Loves You. Although the band only stayed there a few months, it is the only home in which all four Beatles live together. It is for sale with uh, Sotheby's. An early publicity photo of the Fab Four peering over banister used as a cover for the December 1963 edition of the Beatles book was taken at the top of the property's oh, Beatles stairway. Okay, I know that. I know that photo. So now the residence has been uh, refurbished into a two-bedroom apartment. And it's weird to think. First of all, it's, I mean, I know it's like 40 years ago, but that's not really that far, like in the grand scheme of things. No. It's weird to think uh, of the Beatles just being, I know I'm like saying the you know, the bleeding obvious here, but it's just just four guys. It's just, it's it, you can't even really get your brain around that. The, the Beatles were just these dudes who at one point, like, all lived together in the same apartment. Like, I can't even, you know, it's just the phrase, what I wouldn't give to be a fly in the wall of, it, it's just, you can't, you can't fathom the idea that at one point there was like an apartment where, you know, I mean, not that you probably would have been let in, but I mean, the idea that there was an apartment, you go knock on the door and, why, who lives here? John, Paul, George, and Ringo. I mean, that's just, it just doesn't, it just weirds you out. It's like your brain tries to process that. And it just, um, like um, Dennis Miller told a great Beatles story the other day. He said that he was, um, he was stuck in L.A. because he was doing something or other. Maybe he was on, you know, he maybe he was doing his HBO show. But his wife uh, went over and toured Abbey Road Studios. And his wife, like, knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. And so they did the regular tour of Abbey Road. And then... His wife got taken into like one, you know, one of the other studios. She got to kind of go in where, where the typical, you know, like tourist doesn't. Anyway, so his wife calls him on a cell phone. So Dennis Miller answers the phone, and his wife and his wife says, his wife says, "Hey, listen to this." And she like, and he hears a piano key, and she says, "I'm sitting at like the Let It Be piano." Oh. And I mean, it's just, and it's still there. I mean, it's still there in the studio. Hey, like, hey, here's the piano they played Let It Be on, you know, or what a day in the life or whatever it was. And it just, I mean, it, the idea that you could go there and just sit down or see a piano like that is just, it just, it blows your mind. It really does. And I think it, it trips some sort of circuit in your head that just, you can't dwell on it too long because you can't fathom it. So anyway, there you go. Residents of Manhattan's Upper East Side continue to express disbelief over the deadly attack of a local psychiatrist. Police continue to search for the man responsible for killing Dr. Catherine Fahey with a meat cleaver inside her office. Odell Posson, who is one of uh, the uh, dead psychiatrist's neighbors, can't believe her friend was uh, killed with a meat cleaver. Oh, my pot's not up. Here she goes. She was a very, very uh, discreet person, always smiling, always pleasant. Just unbelievable Except something like this could there. happen. All right. So uh, let's talk about the more pleasant things like uh, Love Day. Wait, are we done with the meat cleaver story? Yeah, for now. All right. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't really have anything else to say about it. We're moving along to more pleasant things. 
Paul uh, Giovanni, the president of uh, uh, Safe uh, Sex for Everyone, urges everyone to love safely today. Part of really loving someone and loving yourself is to make sure that you keep yourself and your partner safe and protected from sexually transmitted infections. Ooh, was it the weird? Is it like a weird cockroach infestation happening in the background there? <laughs> it was. All right. The famous wedding chapel on the Las Vegas Strip is bracing for its busiest day of the year. The Little White Wedding Chapel is getting ready for all these white couples, uh, and they'll perform 24 straight hours of Valentine's Day wedding. People like Valentine's Day, especially the men, because it's a day that they can always remember in, and it's a day of love and happiness, and uh, the memories of their love is important because this way the husband certainly can't forget that day because Valentine's Day being the love day. That's right. Ask Britney Spears. Uh, it's amazing to watch the uh, transformation of couples who come in to get married at the Little White Chapel. They come here afraid and shaking, and after they leave here, they know that their new beginning has just started, and their belonging to each other for the rest of their lives is just like a brand-new feeling and a brand-new beginning. So this is what's important. Our they are the important years. I'll take ones. until after the second child. <laughs> We were all going different ways there. And that sounded like never ended. We're all seeing her waiting to say our piece. That's English as a second language, too, that woman right there. I don't know where she's from. That's This is not her native tongue. It must be a developing country. Thank you, Tim. I don't, well, you know, the weird thing about that developing countries phrase is mm-hmm. it, it's a little inconvenient now because, it, like, when, you know, because my God lover, my nutcase wife is trying to take me to all these countries where I think I'm going to be killed and stuffed into a trunk. And so, at least with first world, second world countries, third world countries, you could sort of grade the danger, like that terror scale or whatever, where it's like, today is orange. Like, I could say, Nicaragua, that's in orange country, maybe blue, or, you know, whatever. If, you know, if you say, where are you going? Well, I'm taking you to a third world nation. I could easily say, no, 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 you're really not. But if you just, well, I'm taking you to a developing country, it just it makes it a lot harder to figure out what I have to avoid. Say all you married couples out there, make sure you treat your partner with respect. Think before you talk. Don't say anything unkind about your wonderful spouse because you're going to spend the rest of the li- your life with this person. And if you should do something wrong, be quick to say, I'm sorry, and forgive me for what I've done or said. And then don't bring it up anymore. This woman's crazy. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so so, ladies, we know, we know all you want is diamonds. And in case you don't get them today... From the man you love, go on and buy them yourself. And I think there's a little that's not piece sad. of personal indulgence is fine. And certainly the good news for, for women everywhere alone. is that, that, that more and more there are great pieces of fashion jewelry, beautifully designed at, at, at really much more accessible prices. Now, don't wait for a man to buy them. So go buy yourself a really expensive piece of jewelry. Then you'll be broke and alone. It says here, women love diamonds. No, the big bling, Tim. That's what we call it now. Women love the big bling. The big bling. The big bling. Bling, bling, bling. An advertisement told me that. Uh, the editor-in-chief of Match.com, Janet, says uh, this is the time of the year that people turn their thoughts to dating and romance. And don't be surprised that people Can I flirt with you. Can I interrupt for a second? I just want to tell everybody I'm sorry about all these stories. But it's like part of the... It's one of those rules. We're legally required to talk about Valentine's Day. We, we're if we didn't have these sound bites, we couldn't mock it. Radio DJs, we have to do these things. I'm sorry, go ahead. What is so it? don't be surprised that people <laughs> flirt with you today more than usual. We definitely see traffic on the site increases. Just the same one? As we no, this get to this time of year, you know, after the holidays and moving towards Valentine's Day. So there are more people than usual on the site, and it's a great time to mm-hmm. be out there and searching for people and emailing and winking at people. 
Don't forget to wink. I what? don't understand what winking at people is. That like a virtual winking? I suppose. I don't know. Do people don't wink in real life? Do they? Do they wolf whistle anymore? I don't think. It, I don't think people wink. Here's three things they unless they got some sort of a palsy. Um, unless they've got unless they've got some sort of some sort of degenerative nerve disorder. I thought she was really into me, but she just had MS. Uh, it was all very awkward. Um, there's three things I don't think people do anymore. Wink. Although, let me just say, as an adjunct to that, the exception that proves the rule, there has every now and again, once on a blue moon, as they used to say, um, uh, there will be someone who I, I think winks at me in a conversation, and then, but then you kind of go, well, was that like an accident, or was it like, did they have a nervous tick of some kind, or did they try to blink and only one I worked? Or were they really winking at me, and if so, was it just like a friendly sort of, I'm just joshing kind of a thing, or was it like a thing? So, but all in all, I don't think it's really done anymore. So there's here's three things they don't do. They don't wink, they don't wolf whistle, women don't drop handkerchiefs. That's another thing they don't do, if they ever did. Well, of course they don't. Well, I don't know if they ever did, but I mean, you, that's a thing that not even comes from movies. I think that comes from comic books or something, right? Where it's like you would see a woman drop a handkerchief, and then the guy's like, pardon me. You seem to have, or whatever. Oh, pull up their, their skirt so they're showing their ankles so they get a ride. So they can get a ride by the side of the road. It's a whole lot of, hello, look at this, you know, right by the, because that seems like a phenomenally well-advised idea. So there you go, winking. Although I think, again, I was uh, referencing some of the other, somebody the other day I know that does uh, like a paid dating online, like an online thing, be searching for Mr. or Mrs. Right. And I do believe uh, that one of those, whether it's Match or the, the uh, what's the other one, eHarmony, with mm. 975 levels of compatibility. Find your soulmate. Um, that you can, quote, wink at someone online, which oh, I think... Oh, that Facebook thing where you can poke somebody? Where are, you po- where are you poking them? It says, poke this person. I'm like, what? I don't get <laughs> really? it. Really? Do you have to pay extra for that? <laughs> Is that like... Uh, it doesn't make any sense. You're going to poke them twice in one hour if you're paying cash? Here's Tim Riley. We're almost done with these. Uh, Janet offers some uh, first date etiquette tips that we can't wait for. Please this. turn the cell phone off. Put the BlackBerry away. <laughs> Do not constantly uh, sit there clicking away, multitasking, answering calls, unless, of course, you're expecting a super important call or message. Say that up front to your date. But you really want to focus on that person and getting to know that person and revealing a little bit about yourself and not checking your email every three seconds. I hope this woman dies alone. God, dating blows. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, did that's... you like Black History Week better? <laughs> I did. I did. I that did. Was only one week. Uh, Can we celebrate the day after Black Love Day today instead of Valentine's Day? Well, well, this is White Love Day. Give someone your white love today. Uh, It's a sex week at uh, Yale University, and the organizer is always surprised at some of the wacky questions that the kids will ask. Or take for granted that you think someone at Yale would know basic anatomy or some basic psychology. I already feel awkward. Basic facts about sexual health, and, and they don't. And our job is to try to fix that. They're in college. Wait, do we not get any more? Spe- First, I was afraid there would be specifics. Now I'm disappointed there weren't. No, that's all you get. Well, that's a, well, that's a total it. tease. That's a total um. Mm-hmm. Certain parts of the anatomy. Uh, yeah, I was. You know, that's a total. Uh, there's no payoff to that story. Now go learn it in the street. <laughs> you hooligans. There's. You, I want to know these questions. If you that's know, my Yale thing. Students are being confused by them. You can't tell us that that Yale students. Uh, are coming up with unbelievably basic and stupid questions about sex and then not give us an example. Are there no examples given? No. 
You have to go to Yale. <laughs> they don't give it away for free. You have to enroll. <laughs> like Scientology. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about other things. Uh, from thousands of hopefuls who auditioned for American Idol's seventh season, only 24 remain. Uh, Fox revealed uh, 12 male and 12 female semifinalists on last night's show. And while the news was happy for those 24, some took rejection hard. 18-year-old Josiah Lemming responds emotionally to Ryan Seacrest's questions about how he'll carry on. He's from somewhere. He's pulled out of nowhere, I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> One of the ladies is from Oregon. Christy Lee Cook is 24, and she's from Selma, Oregon, wherever that is. No place named Selma is any good. Selma. Yeah, that's... That's a city that's bad, no matter where it may be located. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm taking kn- some aspirin, I'm sorry. The all-new Lipstick Jungle premieres on NBC uh, tonight. Uh, <laughs> oh, actually, it premiered last week. I'm sorry, Tim, I realize that some of this makes it sound like we're opposed to your newscasting. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> that's true. We can never stop them. No. Excellent. People have tried to stop me for years. I just keep going. <laughs> Lipstick Jungle stars Lindsay Price, who plays fashion designer Victory Ford. She said the show was similar to Sex in the City, but it also holds its own. We're working from a different novel completely, but we will take those comparisons and we'll take the attention that, that um, Candace has because we feel like her voice is, is pretty consistent. She writes women in a very intelligent, astute, observant kind of way. You know, who is that? One of the actresses? That is, she uh, plays Victory Ford, Lindsay Price. Oh, I think she was the one on 90210 who was Steve Sanders. Future wife is this another show based on a Candace Bushnell novel? She writes in a consistent voice. That's mm-hmm. a polite way. I don't know if a lot of people have ever read the book. It is about City. three power-hungry women in New York City. Laura said the same thing. She it is based on the best-selling book by Candace Bushnell or Candace Bushnell. Yeah, she writes. I mean, in... I love the series. The book was bad. Apparently, uh, she's written uh, a bunch of. Uh, she wrote another one that was. Um, I don't want to. It wasn't called Four Non Blondes. It was A Tale of Four Blondes or something like that. Some, it's like called Four Blondes. Yeah, Four Blondes. Lara read that one, too. Uh, when they say that she writes in a consistent voice, apparently that's code for her head is so empty that it produces an echo every time she creates a new novel. Uh, which is fine. I mean, she's, you know, God love her. She's successful in a difficult field. But I guess she found the one niche and just just kind of hammers it. And But it is that thing where the, the adaptations of her works are apparently infinitely superior to the written works themselves. Well, and it seems like she's trying to make the same characters again. I, I've just seen a, a couple previews, and I know that I don't want to see it. But they're like the sex-hungry one and the neurotic one oh, and the totally. ambitious and one. There's the older one who's like sexually liberated, who's having an affair with her 25-year-old co-worker. Uh, oh, my. Uh, mm. How scandalous. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Well, now that the Hollywood Writers' Strike is over, the 80th Annual Academy Awards will take place in all their glory in Beverly Hills. Gil Cates, the producer of the telecast, ran down the list of the big names who will be presenters at this year's show. Alan Arkin, Jennifer Hudson, Helen Mirren, Forrest Whitaker. Those are the folks who come back to present the acting awards, as well as Amy Adams, Jessica Alba, Kate Blanchett, Josh Brolin, Steve Carell, George Clooney. And many more. Two old girls' Catholic schools in Australia have opted out of Valentine's Day. Ava Maria College and St. Columbus College have banned flowers and teddy bears to all the ladies. The principal, Orrin Bell, said the ban was necessary because of the level of affection on the campus had gotten out of hand. The school was inundated with Valentine's Day things last year. As a result, both institutions have contacted Ariel Flores to make sure that deliveries will not happen this year. 
Now, this is here in Australia. Australia. Yeah, they're a godless people anyway. The, uh, the thing about Valentine's Day that's weird, though, and I think this is a gradual thing that happened over time. I don't think it was an abrupt change. But how they gradually, like, I don't even know if they let kids, do they let kids do Valentine's in school anymore here? Like in, in, port, like in public schools? Oh, I'm not sure. Because I remember, you know, and I, I went to a private school, so maybe it was a little different because I went to a Catholic school. But I remember going to Catholic school and there was a whole thing of, like, everybody would swap Valentine's. I remember uh, in, in my, and I think it was, like, first grade, maybe? I mean, it was pretty young. It was, like, first or second grade. I do believe... Maybe I'm misremembering this, but I don't think so. <laughs> Doing the Roger Clemens, I'm misremembering something. The um, I do believe that, like in either first or second grade, there was like a Valentine's exchange. Everybody had like little mailboxes and whatever, and you put like a whatever. But I do believe there's like a kissing booth or something set up in my first grade classroom. That's terrific. I do. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I don't think it warped me that much. I don't know, but that's the thing. You I know that there's no way you could do that now. You couldn't possibly do that. But I I do wonder if they've put. I would imagine if they allow kids to do valid, if somebody, and this is the thing I really am going to ask, if somebody has kids in the Portland Public School System, call in and tell us whether they can do valid. It doesn't really affect me. I don't care. I am just sort of curious about that, though. Because doesn't that seem like just the biggest harassment landmine uh, in public schools now? If you're allowing kids to give, you know, give cards and, you know, and whatever that they all, and they're, they're all they're sort of romantic on some level, even if it's largely platonic. Because, you know, they're all getting, you know, going to go to everybody but the fat kid. And then the fat kid is going to sit there and, you know, and just, uh, you know, be like weeping silently to himself while eating Elmer's paste in the corner. And then there's going to be a whole lot of counseling sessions for somebody. All right. Here's Tim Riley. The dollar store in Florida has pulled some Valentine's Day lollipops from its shelves after a shopper found metal blades in them. <laughs> oh, sorry. Shouldn't laugh at metal blades in candy. Oh, That's that wrong. Oh, funny. Uh, Lisa Potter of Mulberry, Florida, Potter. said she bought a bag of ten Pokemon Valentine's Day cards and pops. <laughs> Pokemon? Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and noticed a piece of metal was sticking out of one of Pokemon's candies. Are those candies aptly named or what? Slashymon. <laughs> Leadymon. <laughs> Gougemon toy. Gougemon actually sounds Japanese, too. <laughs> what are these Killimon toys? Have one. Uh, I'm sorry. Are we terrible people? We are. No, uh, nobody got hurt. Tim? Well, they're only Floridians. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I, I've yeah. got a kid in school, and, uh, you know, it's kind of lame. They make they give send out a list of all the kids in the class, and you have to give a valentine to every kid. Yeah, well, see, that doesn't surprise me. That seems like a thing that is... And I can almost see that. I mean, I, I can I can see maybe that where you, you because otherwise there's going to be like the one girl or the one guy who gets 900 valentines, and then there's going to be the kid who's covered with spots who gets nothing. So I can almost I can see that. To, and we all, if you think back to your like second grade, you remember the kid right now that would get nothing. I can remember as plain as day. I can think of the guy and the girl I went to school with who really, if we've been allowed to pick and choose, would have received bupkis for Valentine's Day. Uh, except so maybe just, a beating. So we just let them think that life is a fantasy and we'll shatter their dreams later? Yes, that's exactly what we do, sir. We wait till fifth grade to start doing that. Oh, cool. Okay. Right. Thank you. Hi. Right. Right, do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. This is Shannon. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm spending my Valentine's Day recovering my boyfriend's stolen car as we speak. Uh, for a minute, I thought you were going to say you were spending your Valentine's Day recovering from Black Love Day. Oh, <laughs> 
Black Glove Day was amazing. Maybe. It really was. Maybe so, just my, sitting on the couch with an ice pack. Where did his car get stolen from? From your place? No, uh, 24-hour fitness in Hollywood District, actually. Oh. That does surprise me. It was very, very terrible. All and right. Now there's odd things left behind in the car that were just... Oh, wait. Oh, so you actually found it already. Yeah, they called us last night. We went to the tow yard, which was in itself totally scary. Like, you need to Where, where was to the car there. found? It was found at, like, Northeast 90th and something. God's country, yes. Exactly. Right. So, what, what did you find in the car? Well, incl- a rubber hose. <laughs> really? Uh, dirty underwear. Other people's oh. clothing. Oh, no, no, no. Clearly, Let's stop. No, no. Other... We, can, we can take these one at a time. <laughs> on KCD Sorry. Portland. Other people's, I'm sure, stolen Okay. Stopped. So, a, a rubber hose. Is this a garden hose? A vacuum garden hose? hose? Okay, that's what? Gas siphoning, Tim, do you think? Could be. Can you siphon gas from cars anymore? Oh, you could, yes. Is, there, is it a late model car? Is it, is it a new car? No, it's like a 95 Subaru Legacy. I don't think you can siphon gas. You know, you know what I noticed here in Oregon that I never saw before I moved here? People's gas caps have no locks on them. Yeah, no, that's true. In it's, California, you have heavy-duty locks on everything. There's only two, there's two things. In California, you will see that, or in older cars, like in cars that were in use like in the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see that because that's when the gas shortage is. But you're right. If you buy a car in California, like it comes with a locking yeah. gas cap. Uh, you buy a car here, and man, they help yourself. Yeah, <laughs> have at it. It's community gas. Um, okay, uh, okay. A hose. What else? Um, uh, lots of bags of uh, what I'm assuming has got to be other people's stolen like clothes and belongings. Now, when you said underwear, were they separate from the rest of the clothes? Yes. Male or female? Female. Now, and are they sexy underwear? They're they maybe at one time were, but no longer are. <laughs> they're all stained. Uh, <laughs> they're but I mean, is it so we're, yucky? We're talking like panties. Yes, like panties that have clearly been like like were left behind because they were like so dirty you just weren't ever gonna put them on again, and because it wasn't your car you just left them in the back seat. Uh, so maybe so there were bags of clothes in the back seat and like how many and bags a garden of hose. Yeah, how many well, bags of clothes are these? Garbage bags, plastic. You got a bags? picture of the Subaru Legacy. He's got the big hatchback, you know. Yeah. So all the room in the back, which is why he uses these for delivery. So all of the whole like back area space is just filled with. You know, duffel bags, big bags, not garbage bags, but pretty much like what you would see, like backpacks. And, and Full like of people, dirty clothing. Full of other people. Some some dirtier than others, but it just... It, and does, then the clothing, does the clothing all look like it's from the same person or couple? Each bag certainly does. So it's like a bag of one people's, a bag of somebody else's, a bag of somebody else's. Well, that's now, is it clean or is it all dirty? Like, is it, you I know, mean, some of it looks like it's, you know, it's clean, but it's like it's so, you just like don't want to touch it. Oh, yeah, because it just oh, is yeah. icky. All right, address books. What kind of address books? Well, like people's literally like their little day planner. Like you'd have, like if you had your backpack and you had your stuff in it at maybe the gym. Did they, they stole his car from the gym. Maybe they steal everybody's stuff from the gym. But that might and, explain... I mean, maybe maybe this is. Uh... Oh, so they're they're breaking in everybody's cars, and then yours is like the getaway vehicle. But I mean, I but why? But how would you be getting bags of dirty clothing? Like no one would have bags of well, dirty clothing. Well, the, the exact same day that his car was stolen, another lady's um, purse was stolen out of the 24-hour fitness right. locker room. They took her car. They took it up to the top of the parking garage, rifled through it, took all of her stuff out of it, and she was dealing with the police like right at the same time that he was with his huh. car. Are you going to give the address books to the cops? Well, we called them immediately. We called and we said, you know, God, we're finding all this stuff. We've got literally like credit card receipts with right. credit card numbers and names on it. And they offered to get right on that. 
Oh, you know they are. I yeah. mean, they're all over that. They're like, uh, call us later with, <laughs> I mean, forget it. We're just like, we'll keep it, oh, whatever. Right. In fact, I myself might call the people and just be like, hey, has your stuff been stolen? So what are you going to do with these uh, many, many bags of someone else's soiled underwear? Well, Good like person. I said, I really feel, well, the soiled underwear I'm going to pick up with rubber gloves when we get home uh-huh. and, like, fling and maybe burn. Fling. Uh, yes, yeah, fling away from the car onto the ground. The rest but, just, like, into a dumpster? Yeah, well, like I said, maybe I'll call the like the address book, the obvious like phone number, and say, "Did you have your stuff stolen? Was your car stolen? We, our car was stolen. Your crap was stolen." So weird. All right. It's kind of a weird Valentine's Day, you know, police department and the tow yard. (laughs) The tow yard is peopled with all sorts of unsavory characters you do not want to even look upon. Happy Valentine's Day. Creepy. Did you go to the one out on Eighty Second? No, it's 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 over in Columbia District. I mean, just as industrial. No, tow yards are always unnerving. They're always creepy. Jesus. Oh my God! Well, I'm from the suburbs, so this is like. <laughs> Tim is nodding his head in sage agreement. I'm from the suburbs. I'm not used to these things. All right. Well, so, happy. My, I actually called to tell you that my uh, kids in public school, and year after year. Um, Valentine's Days are, everyone has to have a Valentine. If you're going to participate, everyone gets one. And so there was a lot of um, scrambling to find the one that, like, said nothing. Right. Like, loving to the, like, dork like you were talking about. <laughs> you want to make sure it's completely, you know, innocuous. Just You don't want the fat uh, kid to get the idea that your daughter wants to hump him somehow. So. Exactly. And, uh, you know, second graders will spend literally, like, weeks obsessing over, okay, well, she loves cats and he loves, you know, donkeys and heels. <laughs> Can I tell you how glad I am that I don't have children? Oh, oh Rick, you're, you love it. Come on now. I love hearing other people talk about it because then I can end the call and I don't have to deal with it in my own Wait, life. So how do the teachers know what they're writing in the cards? Do they pre-read all oh, the cards? Oh, that's a good question. Do the, do the teachers pre Can you put it, write something, seal it in an envelope, give it to a kid, or do the teachers screen the contents of the cards? Well, you know, most of the little kid valentines pretty much have just like, you know, it's like a character on it. But I mean, if I buy like a Pokemon, uh, you know, Valentine or whatever the kids, a Hannah Montana Valentine, Mm. and then I write like, you are really hot, let's make out after fifth period. Like, did they, like, is that a thing? That would not be me doing that, by the way. That would be like another small child doing it. Um, Is that a thing where like the teachers will screen that out and say like, this is not appropriate? No, well, they don't pre-screen, but I imagine that probably the kid would get home because you don't really like look at them all right. They just kind of like gorge on the candy, and then like you go home and with mom, you like unfold them and you look at all the Hannah Montana. Do you go through your kids' Valentines? Oh yeah, we definitely looked at them. I was always curious to see like, okay, first grade was Care Bear, second grade was you know Pokemon. There's definitely a theme. You know, all the boys, Pirates of the Caribbean. All the girls would probably be Hannah Montana, fourth right. grade. And you're just, grade. are you waiting for that one year when it's like the Jenna Jameson Valentine? Well, she's 13 now, oh. so she's actually just started seventh grade. So this year is more, Well, have fun you know, with that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, you know, in between them being like psycho little crazy hormonal, bah, then they still kind of want to be little kids and like have Valentine's exchanged, but... Yeah, Jenna Jameson is on my horizon, Rick. Ah. Right. Well, have enjoy the next few years. Well, thank you. All and right. you enjoy your Valentine's Day. I hope your car does not get stolen. Yeah, for me too. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Right. Bye, guys. Happy Valentine's Day. Here's bags of dirty underwear. She was awesome. She was great. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's not all hearts and flowers for Americans to use. At least 82 have died playing the choking game. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention reports that the practice known as the choking game, the black oak game, or the scarf game, creates a uh, brief high by cutting off oxygen to the brain. Boys made up 87% of the choking game's deaths, ranging in age from 6 to 19. They made up what percentage? 
Uh, 87%. I'm surprised it's that low. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's like 98.99999. So they use a noose or have somebody else choke them. Uh, most deaths occur when the child was alone. Non-fatal uh, consequences can occur by cutting off the oxygen. The brain cells are damaged, eyes hemorrhage, and that causes a seizure. Uh, teens learn about the choking game from their friends and web videos. Sure they do. That's not a thing. Kids don't need... Boys did stupid... Thi- Look, can I tell you this? When I was about uh, nine years old... I didn't have the internet. I didn't have anything. I had, I had bupkist. I, and, you know, what did I spend my time doing with my friends? Let's jump off the top of the house. Why? No reason. Just seemed like a good idea at the time. I mean, really, when I think back, that I, I know everybody has these stories, but I ought to be so dead. I ought to be unbelievably hella dead. Let's spend three hours jumping off the highest point of our roof. You know, what, wait, should we get something soft to land up? No, let's just, that'll take too much time. Let's start jumping right now. All right. Doesn't it seem like the choking game ought to have some sort of wacky, like 60s style sort of song to go with it? <laughs> like one of those name games kind of kind of songs? Like the dating mm-hmm. game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, it's Tim Riley. Well, uh, the government found out that those trailers that they were giving to uh, Hurricane Katrina victims, they all have high levels of formaldehyde. With formaldehyde, the degree of risk from chronic exposure is still somewhat uncertain, but it is classified as a carcinogen. So we found a way to get rid of all our formaldehyde and house the homeless all at once. You bet. Wonderful. Uh, 519 of these random trailers have been tested. About a third of the homes did have levels that could be expected to cause symptoms in people who were vulnerable. And everybody dies. I just love the idea that, well, the good news is we found you a home. The bad news out is it's made out of thumbtacks and formaldehyde. Ugh, all right. Astronauts aboard the International Space Station have access to a gun. The Russian cosmonauts carry a gun because, well, they're Russian. Every <laughs> spacecraft that carries uh, survival gear for crash landings. And the Russian space station has a kit that includes the gun. Although the gun has been there for a long time, its existence was kept quiet. And uh, NASA and the Russians don't talk about it publicly. Uh, there have been uh, cases of severe psychological strain on people in space. A uh, strain that could have been taken out. And their shipmates are worried about the ultimate actions. Experts said the idea of an astronaut losing control was unthinkable a few years ago until that crazy lady who wore the diapers uh, shattered the myth. So now the Russians are ready, as Russians do. They'll kill anyone who gets out of hand on the space station. Uh, by the way, in case you're wondering, the gun is located in a survival kit between some seats aboard the spacecraft. All the crew members know about it, and the U.S. astronauts who fly aboard are trained to use it by the friendly Russians. It does, it's, first of all, doesn't it seem like firing a gun inside a space station is a phenomenally bad idea? I think well, it's the worst the idea. Target. <laughs> I get unless if it's stuck, if it's stu- the bullet is stopped by something spongy. The Russians aren't going to miss. No, <laughs> that is true. Spend their whole childhood just preparing for a headshot. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like a that seems like a great idea for a sci-fi movie though, mm-hmm. where there's five astronauts on a spaceship. You know, on a space station, they're there for like two years, and there's a gun on board the space station. Go, and then one of, and you just wait for the guy to slowly go crazy, because uh, then, there, then of course there'll be the scene. One of two scenes will happen, uh, where the one guy goes to like get some, whatever, sleeping pills or something, and he opens it up, and psh, there's the place where the gun is supposed to be, and the gun is gone. And then it's a question of which of the other astronauts has the gun, or. There will be the inevitable scene in this movie where there's some sort of a struggle, some sort of a fight over, like, let's say, food rations. Food is running out. That happens a lot in these movies. There's a struggle. Bam. That little uh, jockey box gets knocked over. The contents spill out. And then there's that obligatory shot where the gun spills out and slides across the floor. Except, because it's in space, 
the gun would spill out and then, like, float through the cabin. And then it would be mm-hmm. a scramble. This is a great idea. Aaron, be doing this now. Then a scramble between the two astronauts in zero gravity to get the gun that is floating across the cabin. Come on. That's a great idea. Somebody try it today. Sometimes I don't feel these ideas are given the proper respect. Here's Tim Riley. You have so many of them. It is true. Well, Tim and I were just noting, actually, before the show, we were talking in my office about how it, it it is, in a way, a shame not to be able to put the glory of us. But sometimes there are... I, really funny things said during this program, and because radio is, as Tom Likas would say, a transitory medium, you say these jokes, and I guess they're on the podcast, but they're just—they're out there and they're just gone. They're used once, and then sadly they're not used again. And TV beats things to death. That's, that's what cable's all about. You know, have that new episode of Breaking Bonaducci air it a hundred times a day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all right. Yeah. Needs to be some sort of HD channel that's just our jokes strung together, played back to back to back. Well, it's impossible to talk about the vagina monologues without using the clinical word for that female body part. The, oh, clinical word. Okay. Clinical <laughs> word. I thought, oh. didn't think that was an N. No, no, you're making up things in your mind that aren't happening. Yeah. I said the clinical <laughs> word for the female body part. But when Jane Fonda uttered a, a substitute that you just can't say on television, it caught everyone by surprise. Uh, Today's show co-host Meredith Vieira apologized to viewers on behalf of Fonda. So how come they weren't using a delay? I'm not fond of that, Jane. Uh, now, do you have the sound of her saying it? I don't, I'm not sure if I have a bleep uh, version. Here's the thing is TMZ didn't bleep it. TMZ bleeps everything. Mm-hmm. And I am really glad I listened to this because TMZ did not bleep it. I was watching TMZ and there's Jane Fonda and she's saying, blah, da, blah, da, blah, C word, blah, da, blah. And I kind of went, and I sort of pulled. Because, like, we always play, we play stuff. Did the crew oh. laugh right after that? Uh, you know, but Meredith Vieira laughed. Oh, she did? Meredith Vieira chuckled. In fact, she probably speaks that way. Well, see, now I'm freaking myself out. Now I'm a little, now I'm a little gunshot because I bleeped it myself. Mm-hmm. But now it's that whole thing of, like, did I put the bleeped version in here or not? Should we take a chance? Well, this that's is, why we have a delay. Yeah, we have a delay. That is not the right attitude. I mean. That, that is not. That is not... You know what? I know you're overly paranoid ass. I've known you for years. You bleeped it. You would not have put the unbleeped version in there. For the love of God, just play it. Play it. Hope is not a strategy. I should Barack Obama. You're, you're obsessive compulsive. There's no way you would have put the wrong version okay, in. Okay, Sarah, uh, can I if, I, if I tell you the drive, the directory this is on, can you preview it? Sure. I can try. What, 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 here. what dr- All for one little word. I'm sure the FCC would see yeah, it. Just with the C. One little word. Um, um, let me see can you said. see the V drive? No. Well, this is a family-friendly show. I can see the I drive. Let's see. Do you have the C drive? What about the Q drive? The C drive. Uh, I can see. Can you see the Q drive? No, I can't see the Q drive. I can Give see me. the I drive. Is that the only drive you have other than C? It sure is. This is a gripping mm. conversation. Wait, let's see. Wait, I can see the Q. Okay. I'm going to put this in the Q drive right now. <laughs> it's just, I'm pasting it in there right now. It is just called Fonda.wave. Oh, here it I comes. I just put it in there. All right. Can I'm you checking. see it? Uh, no. Let me refresh. I just pasted it in there. There's, refresh that. There's a refresh that drive, baby. Mm-hmm. Under, uh, it says users Q. Users Q. Users Q. This is also, we can make sure, for something that I know I bleeped. But that I'm now terrified of playing. All right, why don't you play it on your computer? I'm going to put down your pot, and I will listen to it. Okay, do we have to turn off the mics for that? No. No. Okay. Okay. So I'm playing this, but my computer's turned down? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Just for safety. <laughs> safety first, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. We are following CBS regulations. All right. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Sarah's listening to this. How is that? All right. Hmm. Hold on. All right. It's bleeped. Okay. So this is... Everyone gather out. Everybody get... Now that we've... Now that and we've... I think you bleeped the words before and after it, too, so you can't even understand what it was. Well, the thing been. about the TMZ player, as it always does, was stuttering. Do you guys have problems with that at home, or is it just at CBS with that just TMZ? Just at TV. Mine's fine at home. That t- but, you know, even when I'm at home, the TMZ videos play really choppily sometimes. I'm, oh, yeah. It's bad. I mean, they work for... I mean, it's AOL. You think they have bandwidth. Um, all right, so I had, to, I had to stitch it together a little bit because it would play and then... Buffer, play, buffer, play, buffer. Um, so this is Meredith Vieira, who just laughs and doesn't even say, like, wow, Jane, that was weird. Um, well, asking, they probably talk like that in the ladies' room. You know, those ladies and their sailor-like, ban- their salty banter. Yeah. So this is Meredith Vieira mm-hmm. talking to Jane Fonda about being in the vagina monologues. Uh, Jane Fonda, I think she's trying to make a joke, mm-hmm. maybe. Because so she, that like word. she said because what she says, and I had to bleep the offending word, obviously. But Jane Fonda, that, that word never bothers me. It doesn't bother me either, and mm-hmm. I know I'm not a woman, but I mean, it doesn't bother me. Um, so, and, and I think it is an American thing because, as we've noted, like in Britain, that that word gets used a lot, largely directed at men. Mm-hmm. That word in Britain is a kind of like a hole. It's uh, constant. Oh, you, know? you, you can say more on the BBC than you can ever say on American television. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a gender. It's a gender flip, too, because a lot of times you will hear British guys, uh, you know, and it's like, oh, you, you stupid, silly C, you know, and it's anyway. So, um, yeah, if you watch the uh, Graham Norton show on BBC America, they believe a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Stuff that flies over there. Uh-huh. So anyway, Jane Fonda is talking about the vagina monologues, and I think she's trying to make a joke. And she says, so they called me up and they asked me if I wanted to be in a play called C. And then she says the C word. Which I guess is her trying to sort of be humorous by using like a crude word instead mm-hmm. of saying vagina monologues. And then Meredith Vieira has like no reaction to it. So this is from TMZ. But Jane, you at first were not a big fan of the play. So what turned you around? Well, it wasn't that I wasn't, wasn't a big fan. I hadn't seen the play. I live in Georgia, okay? I was about to do a monologue all <laughs> And I said, I don't think so. I got enough. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> And but then Mr. Fierro just you laughs. You at first were not a big fan of the play, so what turned you around? Well, it wasn't that I wasn't wasn't a big fan. I hadn't seen the play. I live in Georgia, okay? I was about <laughs> to do a monologue called <laughs> And I said, I don't think so. i got enough problems. You can hear the panic that again. She laughs for a second. She's like, oh. <laughs> So did they not have a delay on that show on television? I guess not. That was the scariest thing about working on Coin. There was absolutely no delay. See, I don't know how that how that even is possible now that because that's not a cable show. That's a network. Yeah. I mean, and look, Larry King, on CNN, who is really not beholden to the FCC. I mean, CNN's a cable network. They do whatever they want. They could, I don't think, they could spend all day shooting babies in the face if they wanted to. Uh, they, you know, there's very little regulation of what CNN would do. But yet Larry King has a delay, though. Mm-hmm. Larry King's television program has a delay. I don't know how it is that NBC. Would air that? Uh, it, I mean, so d- did that actually go out over the air? Apparently, I mean, so. it must have. That that's the only way TMZ could have gotten it because it looks like it was taped right off the air. It doesn't seem like that was an inside feed. It's just weird. And NBC says it has no plans to guard against similar morning emissions in the future. It is a new show. There is no tape delay. There won't be a tape delay. Well, I mean, I guess they can try to hide behind that because the news exemption mm-hmm. is used. 
uh, by some people to okay, sort of cover totally through in the news show thing. Profanity. It is a news program. News, news, news. Of course, we never do that. Uh, <laughs> we never try. We never try to justify ourselves by saying we're a news show. But I mean, but on the other hand, I wouldn't air the c word either. I mean, I know that they do make an exception for so-called excited utterances, and what that basically means is the FCC has said that the example they always give is that if you're pounding a nail and you hit your thumb with a hammer on TV and you go, oh s, mm-hmm. like that, that's not okay, but it's sort of understandable because again, it's like or uh, or if you're a journalist covering. Uh, some sort of combat military action, and there's a gunshot, and you like a lot of that 9/11 footage, the home movie 9/11 footage. People were swearing to them, like, "Oh f, oh, you know, whatever." And they said, "Well, that's okay. That's an excited utterance during news. That's just Jane Fonda being. I mean, Jane Fonda. It's not like she's never been on camera before. I just don't understand what goes on in Jane Fonda's head. And she and Jane Fonda clearly didn't think she she's like not even cognizant that she said anything weird. It's all very strange." Let me uh, see if I can get that to play one more time here. I've got the, uh, here we go. But, Jane, you at first were not a big fan of the play, so what turned you around? Well, it wasn't that I wasn't, wasn't a big fan. I hadn't seen the play. I live in Georgia, okay? I was asked <laughs> to do a monologue called <laughs> And I said, I don't think so. i got enough problems. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Well, the bicyclist. Who crashed into the delivery truck outside of OSHSU around midnight? They say it was his fault. Pixan Yu tried to pass the truck illegally and collided with the vehicle. The truck driver wasn't hurt, but the guy on the bike was knocked unconscious. Uh, police are investigating it now. They say Yu was at fault and got a ticket for careless driving before leaving the hospital. This happened in the 600 block of Southwest Campus Drive. Who was at fault? The, the bicyclist. Who? The bicyclist. I'm trying to throw you something there. Huh? What was the bicyclist's name? You. <laughs> Pixan you. So who was at fault? You. You was at fault. <laughs> I know I know we'll never stop the miss me thing, but really that had the potential there for greatness. We fumbled it, but that's okay. It happened outside the KCI Institute. Where you hit a truck? No, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a child. Is you expected to be okay? You be okay. <laughs> you be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, well, hi, Rick Everson Show. Hi, Rick. It's Helen. <gasps> oh, hi, Helen. Helen. Hello. How are you? It's been taking, you've been going for so long, I decided I would scoop you all up and get some concentration so we can uh, just complete this process. I don't know what you're talking about, Helen. Well, the gift I brought you. Yes, yes. So this is Helen. Helen has called us once or twice in the past. And I have to say this, Helen. You have become, the audience has uh, taken a shine to you. Well, you know, you didn't read the letter there because well, I... Well, we haven't opened the gifts yet. We wanted to oh, wait. Make yeah. it. We want to do it special, Helen. Oh, good. I've been waiting. Are you okay. there? Yes. No, we're right here, Helen. So, well, yesterday uh, yes. I was thinking maybe you would open them, and I had to go take my car in, and so I said, is there a radio anywhere? I need to listen to the radio. And so this one man was so nice. 
he put me in the car of like one of the show cars inside the building, and the battery was all down. Wait, so what? What building? I mean, were you at a car dealership? Yeah, car place, Mitsubishi. So it was a brand new. Were you Were you buying a car? No, no, I was just fixing my car. Having your car serviced. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Uh, and uh, yeah. So then he said, "Well, we'll go to another car." Uh -huh. And so then it didn't work. So then he got chargers out there. And uh, it didn't work. So then he went and got another car, and he ha it was out in the lot. It was brand new, a sports car. Yes. And um, turned it on and had the heat on and had the station ready for me to listen. Now, do you, do you fancy sports cars, Helen? Well, when I was younger, but not now. No, I what like is, uh, SUVs. I SUVs. Like cars, yeah. Uh, so this is so you actually now I feel bad. So you actually uh, were wanting to hear us open your gifts on the air yeah. yesterday, and so you actually went to a dealership and actually had him go through four different cars trying to find one with a radio that worked. Yeah, because I forgot to take my radio because I had to wait for my car and I couldn't be in there listening to it. What so that's all right. And then you were going to talk about it today. And actually yesterday when I went to the gym, I said, well, I was going to go take cookies. And they said, well, where are our cookies? And then um, uh, my husband told the people at work, he works at the prison, well, where are our cookies? And so everybody wants their cookies. But, you know, you people were the most important, so I had to do the best job for you. Well, thank you. What, is, uh, what does uh, Mr. Helen do at the prison? Uh, he works... Um, is he clerical or is he, uh, is he uh, a bull? No, uh, uh, you know, uh, get, uh, pays for all, um, you know, um, for all the food that comes in. You know, they, they uh, take care of uh, paying for and, and ordering everything. So he does sort of requisitioning and uh, yeah, yeah. handling of foodstuffs. Yeah. Uh, and everything else, you Excellent. know, have buying you, stuff. Do you, have you ever uh, gone to the prison? Well, uh, they've had parties there a little bit earlier, and actually they had a going-away party for somebody, but it was at a winery over by Salem. But you can't really go in, even though I do like prison. I like prison. What is it, uh, what is it about prison that you like, Helen? Well, um, people, uh, the energy of people who are in prison is, um, is artists, religious people, and people who are in prison, it's the same kind of energy. It just depends on where you go. And people, actually, who work in the prison, uh, they're serving their time, too, even though they're outside. It's a different kind of world. It's Is this not. the Santiam Correctional Institute? <laughs> no. No, no, it's uh, it's it's um, federal. Oh. Now, do you, uh, now do, you, do you spend, do you, have you talked to any of the prisoners, the inmates, or? Well, in my earlier years, I did um, uh, visit and talk to somebody in Walla Walla, Washington. Uh-huh. So, and I used to write the warden. I learned a lot about prison. I was with uh, prison reform in Portland. I yeah. mean, I really wanted to care about people in prison. But one warden said to me one time, uh, it, uh, things won't change in the prison until people really care. And nobody cares now, so it's like, you know, they're in prison. Now, we're, all, we're all in prison, actually. Yes. Have you now, have you, uh, have you ever maybe uh, uh, someone, you corresponded with somebody in prison, and then maybe you, you meet up on the outside when they're really... So the only person who could help me and really take me through the whole thing was the person who ended up in prison. And he's, he's uh, you know, like a dangerous criminal, right. but it was like that was the only person who had time for me. So. Well, let's... Let's move on to the issue of cookies. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, I want to say something. Yes. Uh, yes we're going to go into the uh, uh, issue of cookies. But what I want to say is, first of all, Sarah's not married. You're married. And I think your idea of having your wife do something that was not costing money materially yes. for a year was so clever. That's what I'm saying. Yes. And the other thing is 
that you live uh, in your mind very wildly. And she lives on the edge by working with people and also on the edge of her gasoline. And that also means when she goes to a country, she wants to live that way. But you uh-huh. um, have an instinct in yourself of yes. what you really like. And so you fight that because you want to do what she wants to do. You spend a lot of time thinking about things, Helen. Well, yeah, I, I cut through. You, you okay. should go to Lake Como, Italy. No, oh. that's where you should go. All right. What are you? As we get ready to open your uh, yes. your your Valentine's gift here, Helen. What uh, what else is on your agenda today? What are your other uh, What are your other plans today? Uh, well, when I'm through with this, I'm finished with my day because I've spent a long process, you know, going through this. Of course, so this is a, this, getting us uh, the gifts and having us open it has taken a lot out of you. Well, no, because I have lots of energy. It's just kind yes. of I'll relax after this. And, you know, you people are located in a wonderful spot. I couldn't believe it. I was trying to find where you're located. It's like, oh, my God, you're near the neighborhood, you know, the yes. Corbett neighborhood. You said you used to live there a yes. long time ago. Mm-hmm. What is a, what does relaxation entail at Helen House? How, what is your preferred method of relaxation? Do you uh, perhaps uh, pour yourself a uh, no, no, no. a beverage? No, no. What, is, what do you do to relax, Helen? Well, the sun is shining, and uh, I'll just face out. I, I have no doubt. Of, I have no doubt about that. All right, let's. Uh, all right, so what have we got? So these, uh, <laughs> there are two boxes. So one of these is is the box uh, cookies. Yeah. And, excellent. So this, uh, there's a huge pink Very bow on this. Beautifully wrapped. Oh, you haven't even opened it yet. Well. No, um, I was, we were putting it off, Helen. We uh, oh, we didn't want to. So cool. We wanted to wait till you were with us. We, oh, uh, good. Yeah. Well, I um, I made the uh, peanut butters on the right-hand side yes. and the uh, chocolate oatmeal on the left. Now, are you known for your cookies, Helen? Yes. I used to always, in the neighborhood, when I lived in the Corbett neighborhood, yeah. people would come over and they knew where the cookies were. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, there are many. How many cookies are in oh here? Oh, my gosh. There uh, are how many different varieties four, of cookies? Four. And then one, one is with... Uh, uh, pecans, coconut, and those are just little bars with a little chocolate on top. Now these aren't uh, these aren't poisoned in any way, are they, Helen? No, you mean do they have any marijuana? No, but I should have. But you know how things are nowadays. Is that a, now? Is that a thing that maybe in your younger days you would have put in these? Of course. Well, well, not necessarily. I didn't do that. No, no of course not. not. But I mean, perhaps for other people you no, might have. No, I put... didn't. No, I was just plain. I mean, but people used to do that, you know, and that was fun when people did do that. But yes. everything's gone. Through. It was. It was a different time, Helen. Oh yeah. All right. All right. So these cookies smell fantastic. Thank you. So you hadn't even opened them. Oh my goodness! Oh, no, we were waiting. All right, and finally, and then and before we go to a break here, well, let's now this other this other bag that you gave us is full of. Okay, well, so there's four bags, and they all have your name on them, and they have a napkin in there. So there's, you know, because you like the idea of the group, you care for the group, and then everybody has different Valentines, and there's a little cologne that I got, had from Saks for Sarah, and there was one for uh, Richie, because you were talking about that, Uh and then Tim had uh, his toothpicks, so there's um, a little thing for two aspirins, I had to think about that, and... uh, so then, you know, I tried to keep it all um, yes. equal for the most part. And then uh, there's an article about the donkey. So you can, you know, 1947, so yes. people really want to know. You can tell them. And then did you look at the photograph? Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then there are many, many cards in here. So we're, I'll tell you, we're, during, we're going to go to a break here, and we'll have to sort through it all during the break, Helen. Yeah, because uh, what yeah. happens is you've all got a bag. Uh-huh. So then you can put your... Uh, 
car, you know, just like you were in school. Yes. You, you put your little cards in the bag, and then you all divide the cookies. And then there's candy, and there's candy with liquor in it, too. And then a hot candy, you know, like the round hot yes. circles. You like those? You're, yes. No, you are. You, uh, we really do, Helen. You really are. You, this is above and beyond. Just thank you so much, Helen. You're welcome. All right, are you and Thank your you. are you and your a gentleman friend, you and your husband? Do you have big plans for Valentine's yeah, no. Day tonight? We live out in the country. Well, I, I, uh, life is to be lived every day to the best. Yeah, that is true, Helen. And All it's right. full of love every day. Yes. All right, Helen. You and your husband have a fantastic Valentine's Day evening. Same to you. All right. Thank you, Helen. Bye bye. All right, there you go. That's Helen. All right, are we gonna open our Presents. Wow. Um, we should probably break. We should probably break. Ooh, really... And then we also have an exclusive OJ story. Fantastic. Should we break first? Comes to us from the Inquirer. Well, we've got Dorothy Carcassari around the corner here, literally in like nine minutes. Should we wait, Tim? You make the call, Tim. You make the call. Oh. Really? Yes, really. This is from the National Inquirer. Okay. Exclusive. That? I'm going to. Sarah just did this. Sarah goes. Is it about that? And then she punched her fist into her hand a bunch yeah, of times. I saw that. Yes, it is. When Mr. Hand becomes Mr. Fist. Um, why don't you read the headline, Tim? OJ's girlfriend's injuries are consistent with assault, not a fall. Because she had showed up all blackened and bruised the other day. Blackened. That's an unfortunate. <laughs> she may be facing brain surgery. Oh. Jeez. Well, that's less funny than I thought it was going to be. Um, the um, so she. Wow. And, but they were claiming that she'd fallen, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess she, she fell. She must have fallen several times. <laughs> fallen into O.J.'s fist. She fell fell right into O.J.'s pummeling hands many times. Well, okay. Um, so apparently now they're saying her injuries are consistent with being assaulted, and she is, what, a blonde girl dating O.J.? Yeah. Sure, it's all coincidence. Uh, well, in a moment, actually, we will talk to Dorothy Carcassari from the National Choir, so that actually works out very well. Let's take a break, shall we? Yeah, really, Helen has given us... These cookies smell fantastic, by I'm the way. I'm going to eat one during the break. Oh, man. They... You know, I try not to eat during the show. They smell wonderful. I'm sorry, Tim. I forgot to ask if they were vegan. Oh. I don't know. There's only one way to find out, Tim. You'll just have to try one. A and then, th really, there are like... I, I would say two dozen envelopes in this bag for us. So, take a break. Back after this, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Stay there. All right, those cookies are really fantastic, I have to say that. All right. And among the 500 different Valentine's Day cards that were in the box, one of, yes, dogs playing Spin the Bottle from Helen. In a pink envelope, of course. Thank you, Helen. Doesn't Helen seem like one of those people that we couldn't really ever meet in real life? I mean, not that we wouldn't want to, just that it seems like she can't really exist outside the phone. It's almost like a Phil Hendry character that is calling totally us. totally true. All right. Boy, those cookies are really good. Okay, i got to move those away from here. I'm going to keep eating them. Um, I just kept eating. Helen also sent us photos of her, don her donkey and her goat. Many, many photos of Helen's. Here's one of... Okay. I know you all can't see this, but here's a photo of the donkey and the goat apparently playing together outside. Best thing, by the way, is when Tim is looking at the picture of the donkey and Tim says, Oh, wait a minute, that's not the donkey's foot. Or whatever you say, what did you say? That's not that the donkey's leg. That's yeah. not the donkey's leg. That's the best, uh, best quote today so far. All right, it's 503 733 
2970. You know, we haven't yet uh, found a theme for Dorothy Carcassari. We're going to see if she's given it any thought. Ladies and gentlemen, now Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello, Dorothy. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm thinking, how about Fame by David Bowie? Love it. All right. Now, how do you feel? Do you, I mean, are you just agreeing to that just to placate me, or do you really feel like that would be a good introductory theme for you? No, I think it would be fabulous. All right. So, I mean, unless I can come up with something that is better, unless I have some sort of brilliant epiphany tonight, that's going to be the default theme for you is David Bowie's fame. Um, I was thinking along the same lines of fame, but I was thinking of a different fame. But I like David Bowie's fame. All right. So we'll, I'll put that together. If it works, it works. If not, we'll try to find something else. Um, so Richie had sort of given me the, the heads up on, on what is in the uh, the new issue. And I know there's a, you know, there's a whole, you go to the website, you can see some stuff. So I know that there was David Hasselhoff. There's some Britney stuff. There's Nicole Richie. There's, uh, and I think Richie wrote, Farrah Fawcett dieting. But I'm pretty sure, given the Inquirer's tone of coverage, Probably the T isn't supposed to be there. I it probably Farrah Fawcett dying. Um, right. But before we get to any of this, so tell me about this uh, scoop that I think just read this OJ business of OJ and his girlfriend and the assault and the whatever. I mean, what can you tell us about that? Well, basically, I'm sure you saw the article on our website, right? NationalEnquirer.com. Yes. yes. Well, his uh, his girlfriend had you know ha- she had these uh, bruises and she had all these um, you know physical signs of you know something happening to her and uh, you know she got some help for it and they basically are saying that she got too drunk and she fell down uh, but we're hearing that actually you know we're hearing from inside sources that the bruises are actually from uh, her being assaulted so it kind of raises that question of well. Who who could have possibly assaulted her? I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Is this now? Are they? I mean, do they now, or have they recently had OJ like in a room somewhere with the, the bright light shining on him, trying to figure out his uh, you know his complicity in this or his uh, whatever the, the word is, his whether he was involved in this? Well, I think that they're still kind of looking into it. Uh, I don't. I know that they don't want to. You know, I'm I'm not entirely sure if they've been you know questioning him or not. But um, because you know they're not. They're not entirely proven, uh, you know, to be something that was caused by an assault. But that's that's what uh, you know. Some really key sources are are telling are telling us. Um, the neurologists are saying that this is this is something more than just you know walking down the street or and and tripping on the sidewalk or bumping into you know something that's that's an obstruction on on the street. Uh, so we're going to have to kind of see how this whole thing plays out because. If, in fact, they end up, you know, questioning O.J. because he's taking the, you know, self-inflicted uh, alibi on this, that, that her injuries are self-inflicted. Um, but if they do, you know, end up really, really grilling him about this, then this is not going to be good for him. No, it's it's shaping up to be a bad year for O.J. Really, this is uh, this is this is not going to be his 12-month period to look back on fondly. It seems, no. and it seems like at this point, I mean. Really, uh, at least a, a a better sort of alibi needs to be come up with. I think the she walked into a door thing. I think that stopped being believable slightly after the door was invented. So it does seem like it, <laughs> at, at this point you re- you really have to find a better line for that. Um, all right, I agree with you. So we've got um, the good news. Bad news is is that either Brittany is less crazy because her her parents or her dad has got some control over her life, or she's just as crazy and we're just not able to hear about it right now. So am I imagining this, or is, is she like toned down her nutcase behavior? Well, you do know that uh, this week she was reportedly giving a dance class to a group of 
little little children uh, at Millennium Dance Center where, you know, she's been rehearsing her own uh, dance moves for upcoming video mm-hmm. and that type of thing. So from that from that kind of a story, you think that, oh, well, maybe she's, you know, got her head screwed on straight now and she's trying to reach out and give these kids something fun to do on a weekday afternoon. But uh, we, we do know that these celebrities don't really change overnight. They don't go from being crazy and running around, uh, having the paparazzi following them and, you know, driving them alongside the street, and then the next day, uh, you know, they're not, like, teaching a kindergarten class or helping out in an animal shelter. And it does, it does also beg the question, like, what kind of mother decides to let their small child go and be taught anything by Britney Spears? Well, that definitely is a very fair question, I have to say. Uh, but apparently these parents, you know, were on board, and these kids had this dance class with Britney Spears, somebody that they – now, these were very young children. I, I believe they were around six or seven years old, so we don't we don't really know if, if they actually knew who she was or if they kind of just wondered who this, you know, crazy-looking lady was. Who, who this bloated, spotty was. woman was that was gyrating around on the floor in front of them. <laughs> Ripped stockings and, you know, <laughs> crazy extensions in her hair that looked like she may have just put her finger in an electric socket. Uh, you know, that's what the kids' impressions may have been as opposed to knowing this is actually a very big celebrity that has been, you know, in in the headlines for the last year and, and has been suffering very seriously from mental illness and, and acting out and almost endangering her life and the lives of others. I don't think these children really understood that. Uh, but But... Certainly the parents did. Uh, you, you do wonder why they let their kids in on that. Uh, we're talking to Dorothy Carcissari from the National Enquirer. Before we go, uh, it's like a law that if you do a radio program, you have to ask about David Hasselhoff like once a month. So, uh, and, and Richie, and I, I was looking over the website, and I and you know, there was some stuff here, but I'm I'm looking at the screen here, and I'm trying to figure out if he is boozing again, and then also went into the hospital, or if he is actually boozing in the hospital. I'm trying to. <laughs> what, what is Hasselhoff doing now? Well, unfortunately, with Hasselhoff, uh, your second guess about him boozing in the hospital doesn't seem like too much of a long shot. However, it was the fact that he, our sources tell us that he was boozing. He went to Cedar sinai Hospital last week, and he was treated for alcohol poisoning. So it's really sad because he seems to get it under control. He seems to kind of have his addiction under control. He's you know, recovering, and then he relapses, recovers, relapses. And unfortunately, this is a pattern we're seeing with a lot of celebrities. Well, and like alcohol poisoning is not a thing that you get from just having one too many. That's a, I mean, you have to work hard to get, especially it seems like if you're David Hasselhoff, where your your body really is fortified against all with the most severe onslaughts of alcohol. That's a thing you really got to put some work into, right? Oh, it definitely is. But then again, you really don't know what other kinds of, things are at play here, um, you know, in terms of other things that they're putting into their bodies as well. Excellent. All right. The new uh, issue of the National Enquirer comes out, hits newsstands tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, folks can always read more at nationalenquirer.com. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari. Thank you, Dorothy. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. You as well. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Fantastic. Wonderful. All right. Excellent. Jesus, that OJ thing is crazy. I can't, I mean, I'm not saying he did it, of course. We don't know. But, I mean... It's not really that crazy, I mean, considering his history. But, I mean, the guy... I, I'm just... Let's speculate now that if it comes out that O.J. was just pummeling his girlfriend... First of all, who dates O.J. Simpson? I mean, I know that I'm, like, the billionth guy to say, like, I don't understand who does that. But I don't understand who does that. I can't... He's just misunderstood. Like, who have you turned down? 
even if you like bad boys, there's, I mean, it does seem like that's taking the sort of, well, I like them rough around the edges. That's taking it to, what I would say, an unacceptable extreme. But, you know, what do I know? Uh, we'll get these calls here in a second. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg said the U.S. is resembling a third world country. No, no, no. Developing country. No, he said, quote, a third world country. Oh. He's unleashed another tirade of jabs on Washington, ridiculing the federal government's rebate checks as being like giving a drink to an alcoholic. Said the presidential candidates are looking for easy solutions. Uh, the federal checks on the centerpiece of the government's emergency effort to stimulate the economy. But Bloomberg does not believe it'll do any good. And his harsh words at a news conference reflect the view among some of the associates that the country's economic woes present a unique opportunity for him to launch a third-party bid for the White House. No, no. Yeah. Publicly says he's not a candidate. And explained recently he is speaking out on national issues as part of an experiment. And a dialogue. You know, I, I, was, I was watching uh, Anderson Cooper the other day, and he was talking to one of those super delegates. Mm. And it was just, remember that homeschool kid who called us uh, yesterday, or whatever oh, yeah. that was, where the kid was, I mean, Andy, I think his name was. I mean, you know, he's obviously a smart young man with a good head on his shoulders. But did have that sort of not, not quite, doesn't quite fit in with the outside world all that well vibe. Uh, not unlike uh, some of us here. But this guy, this 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 guy who came on, who was a super delegate. I mean, really, he made that Andy kid look like George Clooney. It was just unreal. It was like you really expected while you were watching it for his for like a pocket protector and eyeglass tape to just sort of magically like appear on him. He was just such an unbelievable. He wasn't really super delegate so much as he was like a super nerd delegate, and. Anyway, they were talking about this and and they this, this business of Hillary and Obama like going down to the finish line, and I can't. I really am wondering if at some point there is something just waiting in the wings like the big red first strike nuclear button that the Clinton campaign has that they're just that they're waiting for the right moment to unleash and maybe not. I mean maybe I'm painting the Clintons as being more sinister than they really are, but I think they really are pretty damn sinister. And so you got to you got to wonder and you know the Obama people have got to wonder that too. If at some point Hillary's, you know, if she's got like the photograph or like the you know, some something hiding in a closet somewhere that she's going to pull out and just bludgeon that guy with, so remains to be seen. Here's Tim Riley. Now it can be told Gary Coleman got married in secret last year, but he's only revealing it now. Coleman said he and Shannon Price exchanged vows in August on a trip to a mountaintop in Nevada. Nobody was around but the minister, the preacher, the videographer, the photographer, the helicopter pilot, and us. Coleman is uh, 40, married Price, who's 22, on the set of the 2006 comedy Church Ball. The actor is 4'8", Price is 5'7", but Coleman's Zubrat insists height doesn't matter. It's all about love. He was 10 feet tall to me because he was sweet, and I really liked his personality. That really doesn't matter to me. Uh -huh. Price said that she proposed to Coleman, but he surprised her on her birthday by taking her to a mountaintop in the Valley of the Fire in Nevada to exchange vows. Uh, Coleman rose to fame as a child actor in the late 70s, and uh, he's had uh, many jobs since then. So apparently he's married. Seems... Sorry, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Prize catch Gary Coleman off the market. Uh, you know, Gary Coleman triggers some thought in my head about... I was thinking some crap this morning that I wanted to bring up, and I can't remember what it was. It wasn't about Gary Coleman as such. It was about... Um, Jesus, it can't have been that important. Never mind. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, Sarah Madam. 
Hello, this is a Sir. Uh, hello, Rick, hello. Sarah, and Tim. Hello, hi. I'm one of the faithful delivery drivers, and I just wanted to say thanks to you guys because you guys make me laugh out loud every day, and, uh, you know, it's awesome. I love your show. Thank you, sir. Are you really simply calling in to pay us a, a compliment? Uh, pretty much because it's Valentine's Day, and now uh, you're the only people I love, so. Oh, that's <laughs> That really is. You do you really know how to sell it, sir. Thank you. Yeah. You always know just what to say. Of course. Uh, well, are you spreading the word, my friend? Oh, of course, every day. All right. And uh, uh, drink at the B-side. All right, excellent. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye. That's not a donkey's leg. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Kit, the talking cars make a comeback. <sighs> NBC will premiere a new Knight Rider television movie based on the original series, which aired from 1982 to 86 and starred David Hasselhoff. <sighs> the updated version will star all my children alumnus Justin Boonig as uh, Michael Knight's son, Mike Tracer. He begins to follow in his father's footsteps as a crime fighter when his old girlfriend, played by Dina Russo, asks for his help in finding her dad, who also happens to be the inventor of the supercar Kit. The voice of Kit will be actor Val Kilmer. Kilmer. I'm sorry, I don't even have the energy to do that. I'm just That's a very perfunctory Kilmer, I'm sorry. So this film will air on Sunday, February 17th at 9 p.m. on NBC. If it does well, it'll become a regular series. Hooray! What not? Uh, so Sarah just, by the way, saw the picture of the thing that's not the donkey's leg. Oh. I really wish you'd seen the expression on her face. It's a whole lot of, what? Uh-huh. That... Is it a little unnerving? Yeah. Let me ask you this. No, I don't, no, 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 no questions about it. No, no. I'm just saying. No, here's what I'm I'm just saying. Really, as a woman, when you look at that, do you, do you instinctively, is it unnerving? It's just You think so... more, you know. So I think men are just sort of maybe, you know, icked out by it a little bit. But as a woman, I want you to just kind of look and go, oh, no. What is this? That's perfume. Helen brought you some uh, Helen perfume. Helen brought me perfume. Yeah, she brought Richie some cologne as well. Ooh. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you guys. Happy What's up? Happy belated Black Love Day. Hello. Yes, happy uh, belated Black Love Day to you as well, sir. Hey, uh, so I, I'm uh, here at 21st and Powell, and I just saw something so ridiculous. I couldn't. I just had to get your thoughts 24th and Powell. Did this no, involve no. guns or hookers? 21st and Powell. 21st and Powell, okay. Yeah, still guns and hookers, but um, so I saw. So that'd be uh, that'd be 21st. That'd be like. Uh, Your lots of luck. I was. Uh, yeah, it is. It's or right by yeah, that by that BC's bar. Yeah, okay. Well, what what is it, sir? So I saw this guy get on the bus, and he was hauling a wheelbarrow on with him. Uh, was it full of something? No, it wasn't full. But it was just a huge, this huge wheelbarrow, and he's just like lugging it in the bus. Did it? Did it look like a brand new wheelbarrow, maybe from the the hardware store, and that was the only way to get it home, no. or did it seem used? Uh, definitely used. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> was there a heart shaped bow tied around it? <laughs> <laughs> you bought me a wheelbarrow. <laughs> I, w I wish there was. So I wish I could report that. I, it doesn't even seem like that would fit through the door. Yeah. It barely did. I mean, he was, he got it in there. I, I thought I, I'm surprised the driver didn't tell him to. To get know, bent? Like, wheel it home. To wheel it on, wheel it on home. Um, so, well, all right. You know, that is one of those things that you wouldn't see anywhere else. That is an only in southeast port. We ought to start a new segment called Only in Southeast Portland. And, you know, just just yesterday, something, something strange happened yesterday. I'm sitting in my truck, you know, like doing paperwork. And uh, you know, this, uh, I, I just started my truck. And uh, this, this, this girl, she couldn't have been more than 12 years old. She, like, yelled up at me. Like freaked me out. I looked down, and she looked like a, like like a nice young girl. She's like, "Hey, can I ask you something?" I was like, "Yeah, what's up? Do you have a dollar?" And I mean, and I, well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, I thought that was so strange that 
just some like like young girl that's not trashy and well no the the, the thing I've learned with the, especially with people who ask you for money I think the new dodge is to ask you for a specific dollar amount like I always seem to run into the girl on the street who says hey do you have seventy nine cents and it's not like a dollar. It's not do you have some change. It's do you have seventy nine cents or sixty four cents or a dollar seventy two or something. And I, and I think they think that that makes it look less like they're just trying to chisel free money out of strangers and more like, you know, like when you're at work and you're trying to get uh, you know Twix out of the vending machine and it takes seventy five cents and you only got seventy and you go hey dude do you have a nickel, uh, you know as opposed to just saying will you buy me a Twix. I think if you ask for a specific dollar amount, it becomes somehow more plausible. So yeah, that's, right. it, it was very strange. I, I, I mean, maybe that's happened to a lot of people, but I've, but I've, you know, had I've had a ton of people ask me for change, but usually they have like about two teeth and. No, it's well, it's a more upscale class of homeless person you're attracting. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll play this. It's the worst song you've ever heard. Are you talking to me? Let's do one more, <laughs> and then. I'm sorry. I was I was just engrossed by this uh, story. Which is this the OJ story? No, the, it's a different one. A bedridden woman dies in a fire due to a 911 delay. Uh, apparently, oh. a yeah, a bedridden woman calls 911 to report her bed is on fire. Ah! So what? the operators, I, w I wish I had the audio for this. I'm yeah, sure yeah, it'll come up too. later. Yeah. It says, uh, "Thanks for holding 911. What is your emergency? The bed is on fire. Are you still in the house? Yes." All right. Well, you want to get out of the house? No, I'm disabled. The bed is fully inflamed. So then she's put on hold for 27 seconds. And finally, somebody else picks it up. And finally, they send somebody else over. But it is too late. <gasps> Where was this? This happened in Pennsylvania, and she was smoking in bed. Oh, well, oh. don't smoke in bed. Especially if you, like, can't get away. If you... <laughs> really, really, honestly, I don't mean to sound cruel i don't mean to trample on her grave before it's even been dug probably but if you're not able to get out of bed keep flame away from it i mean i think i so speak the, for us all and the other question is so the 911 operator says, well you want to get out of the house <laughs> no i thought i'd stay here and paint a uh paint a, a charcoal uh drawing of smoke of inhalation <laughs> I I'd set up an easel and do a watercolor of my house as it's being de demolished Jesus. Oh, then the Hillsborough County of Florida Sheriff uh, David Gee has issued an apology to that uh, the man who was dumped out of his wheelchair on national television. <laughs> I want to apologize to Mr. Stewart. The new chocolate rain. This incident will be investigated to the fullest. What? What, what is there to investigate? You, you in the chair. <clears throat> right over. Yeah. It, it's funny. The explanations are like pre-video days, like for the <laughs> 1950s and 60s, where, where things were silent, where <laughs> things were just filed away in big white boxes. We have top men working on it. Top man. So they're going to investigate this. <laughs> We're going to look into it. They're going to see if there's any, any evidence <laughs> to the contrary <laughs> that he wasn't dumped on the floor out of his wheelchair. Okay, I have to look at it again. Is it on your site? Yeah, it is. Okay, I have to look at it again. I, I forget. Is there audio on it? Because I was no, watching with no the sound down. It. There's no audio on it. All right, got to watch it again here. There is a, there is a kind of a wraparound from Fox on it, though. I All right, hold on. Let's see it's here. It's only like 30 seconds. Mm. I I only watched it. I think I watched it twice. It's, oh. it's not enough. No. It's like the Lee Britney alone photo. It's it's sweeping the nation, really. <laughs> it's all about wheelchair dumping these days. Oh, you got that creepy picture of Chelsea Clinton. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a that's that's right before she sucks out your spinal fluid. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see. Uh, all right, here we go. Photo. Man dumped out of a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. All right. Going to Fox, you can see this at RileyLive. Uh, Over the rough treatment of a disabled man. 
And a warning, the video you are about... You know, by the way, does that warning get rid of anybody? Is there anybody who doesn't immediately stop? It's like when Tom likes one of those things. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this hour is going to be offensive. <laughs> you are not going to want to hear what I'm talking about. You should tune out. Right now, and of course, yeah, even I'm I. totally going to listen to Lycus today. I always listen to his Valentine's Day. Oh, Valentine's Day. Well, you know, because his Valentine's Day is the Dump That Bitch Day. Oh, That's where he has, like, guys dump their girlfriends you know on the air. You know I'm the biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing for is, four hours. It's it four hours hilarious. of... It's hilarious. anyone who's weak-minded enough to, like, uh, to let Tom Lycus convince them to call their girlfriend <laughs> and dump him on the air? It's the funniest thing ever. And it is, it is four hours of, you know... So, honey, uh, remember when we were dating? You mean, you know, like, up until right now? You know, and, all right, to here. see could be disturbing for some viewers. This 32-year-old man brought into a Florida jailhouse so, late last month. Sitting there in the jailhouse. Police. He told the sitting detention there. deputy he Jesus. couldn't walk, but she apparently didn't believe she him. She didn't so. believe him. That's the thing about it is there's not even any hesitation. You can go to Tim, uh, Tim Riley's at RileyLive.com. And, I mean, the cop just comes up behind the guy who is like, you know, hey, I can't walk. Hey, these legs don't work. <laughs> and then, it's not even, they don't even jiggle the chair first. They don't even sort of a, they don't even like lift up one of his legs, maybe give it like a testing. She just, it's like he's toast being flung out of uh, like an overly sprung toaster, just right onto the floor. I've got to back it up and watch it one more time here. Last month, charged with eluding police. She comes he right behind the him. Bam! He couldn't walk, but she apparently didn't believe him, so she dumped him on the floor out of his wheelchair before frisking him. She and three other <laughs> frisking him, he's laying flat on his back like some sort of a crippled snow angel. <laughs> They'll investigate. We're gonna look into it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna examine it and see what might have happened. Have you seen it, Sarah? No. Oh, you gotta go watch it. Oh, it's about. I sound like Jimmy Stewart. You gotta watch it. Yeah. It's the best thing I've ever seen. It's it's like the video itself is kind of. I mean, it's funny. It's not as funny as the "Don't Tase Me" guy, but it's this coupled with the "We're gonna look into this." I mean, as though they're somehow like they they missed a few clues. <laughs> oh, that is a curvy picture of children. They're, they're gonna get their get their Encyclopedia Brown on. Um. Yeah, the idea that there are hidden layers to this scenario that okay, there's somehow... Watch. Okay, wait for the guy. Could be disturbing for some viewers. This 32-year-old Florida jailhouse late <laughs> last month charged with eluding police. He told the detention deputy he couldn't walk, but she apparently didn't believe him. Oh so he right onto the floor. <laughs> out of his wheelchair before frisking him. And then she frisked him she while he stood there like twitching. with his arms Twitching like a trout on a riverbank. <laughs> They're going to look into it. <laughs> there, there's, there's more to this than meets the eye. <laughs> we got to dig out the subtext to the video. Oh, all right. <laughs> feel the video shows the whole story. Oh, no, there's more to this than you think. It must be investigated. Oh, man. I love this country. Let's do this. Oh, because they jump <laughs> handicapped men. On the I didn't say that. You said that. Uh, I was asking a question. I wasn't saying anything. I just love the idea that we live in a country where, A, this can happen. B, it immediately goes on the net. C, they're going to look into it. Whatever that means. Like, wouldn't you love to be in the meeting where they're looking into it, though? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, well, let's watch this YouTube video of our surveillance cameras. I mean, because Tim is totally right. Ten years ago, even, they would have dumped this poor guy into the floor, 
Probably giving him a beating for good measure, and then we never would have heard about it. No. And the guy would have been like, and then they beat me. And we were like, uh-huh, whatever. And it would be a single piece of paper filed in a drawer no one would ever hear about. But because of the Internet, now all of this stuff gets to be seen, and it really is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Ain't that America? It really is great. All right, here's what we got to get done so far, uh, or still. Um, I just don't even know where to start. So uh, you've heard this Hillary Clinton song, right? I have. Here's what we got, Tim. Uh, I'll make it uh, newsman's choice. We got the Hillary Clinton song. I have a guide to how to speak like Frank Sinatra. Or uh, I have I have this thing about Sanford and Son. Um, or we have High Concept Thursday. So Tim, Hillary Clinton, Frank Sinatra, High Concept Thursday, or Sanford and Son. I think this is Hillary's time. We should hear more from her before right. we don't anymore. Before she's... And then you need to teach all the all the single men out there how to talk like Frank Sinatra all before right. they go out on the town so to we'll do... prey on lonely girls tonight. Hillary, prey on girls who've been dumped by their guys on the Tom Likas show. Oh, jeez. The best the best thing about those calls is like the like the totally innocent setup. Where and she the guy's has... always Hello? Too, he's like, yeah, Tom, I'd do that, Tom. I'd do that in a second. <laughs> Call her now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I want to. I mean, she work. We'll wait till later. I don't really know. I don't totally uh, do yeah, it, no, she's probably busy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. I don't even remember picking up, picking up the phone call, but here you are. Hello. Rick. <laughs> hey, I wanted to get back to that guy in the wheelchair. Yes. No. You wanted to give us. You wanted to give us maybe some of the hidden layers of meaning in the video. Well, no. I was on the Today Show yesterday. They spent ten minutes talking to the guy, and what they never got to is he was eluding police. How was he eluding the policeman the in that wheelchair? That's an interesting question. What now? When they now eluding police? Does it say that in the story, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, it did. So, well, that but is a good question, so actually. Maybe he's faster than the police. Video you are was he eluding them on, in the wheelchair? <laughs> he must have been. He wasn't running. Well, hold on. Let me watch it again. Charged with eluding police. He told the detention deputy... <laughs> Man, Jesus. I mean, he just, he, he just pops right out of that thing. So, so when he was eluding police... Did they say if that was on foot or if he was like rolling, they never, ro they rolling his way through an alley? No. They had him on for ten minutes and they never they never got to how he was or why he was eluding police. That is a really interesting question. He's, he's going to be invited on Letterman or something. Um, so I wonder if is it possible? Wait, so is the guy's story that he is crippled or yeah. just paraplegic? He, he's a paraplegic. Well, what does that what does that say about the police? What does that say about the police that they can't catch a paraplegic? Really, honestly, if a guy's if a guy's legs don't even work and you can't catch him, maybe maybe it's time to uh, maybe it's time to get on that L.A. weight loss, huh? And, and and during the Today Show, he did mention that uh, <laughs> he he brought in the Rodney King thing, like you know, Rodney King was just minding his own business when he got beat. <laughs> Money. Yes. Wait, hold on, one more time. And a warning: the video you are about to see could be disturbing for some viewers. This 32-year-old man brought into a Florida jailhouse late last month, charged with eluding police. He told the detention deputy he couldn't walk, but she apparently didn't. By the, other, by the way, the other great thing about this, and this does really speak to the nature of Florida, I think, is that you've got a paraplegic in a wheelchair who's just dumped onto the floor. Meanwhile, like the nine other cops in the room, just filing paperwork, minding their own business, implying that this sort of thing just happens all the time in that police uh, police house. So, all right. Now, let's see. Now i got to figure it out. Now i got to find out how it is he was eluding police. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, what have I done? I've done something. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Is that me? Yes, you're on KCMD oh, okay, Portland. Yeah. Well, you know, the paraplegics drive. I'm sorry? They can still drive. Now, was but was he uh, eluding police in a oh, car? Well, he was probably in his car. He probably rolled into a bar, had a few beers, and got mm-hmm. back in his car. And when they're running, you know, gets pulled over, or they get behind him, and he takes off. But, I mean, how would it? Okay, so maybe he was eluding police in the car, but then they captured they cornered the car somehow and got him out of the car. Yeah. Well, I mean, they make, I have a buddy that's got a, that's in a wheelchair. He's no leg, feeling in his legs or anything, but he just rolls up a ramp in the side of a van. And instead of his seat, there's just a spot where he can lock in his uh, wheelchair. Or he can just sort of sit in there like a weeble. Yeah, he's got, <laughs> hey, that's, flashback will probably make a movie about that, too. All right, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> All right, bye. This guy knows, this is the email, and notes something. He says, hey, in the last five minutes, do you realize you've had a woman with the motor skills to smoke but not leave her bed when it's on fire and a man in a wheelchair charged with eluding police? This is the reason I listen to your program. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, we got to do this Hillary Clinton thing. So this is, this song, this song that I guess came out yesterday, that's the first time I heard about it. And with, in, a, in a space of about an hour, I had gone from never hearing it to hearing it from like a hundred different people. Oh, is it the song? Yeah, the one, and I think that they must have tried to get the rights to ABC by the Jackson 5 and been rebuffed, because this song sounds very similar to the song ABC, simple as one, two, three. Uh, it, except it's infinitely worse than that. I don't know who's singing or, or what group it is that's behind this, but boy, this is just like the whitest, lamest thing I've ever heard. The video is pretty bad as well, but it's not necessary to enjoy slash cringe at the song. The video is just a bunch of footage of Hillary campaign rallies where she's sort of like raising her hand behind a podium like in triumph and then like shaking hands with, you know, children or whatever. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Hillary Clinton. And uh, this is not a joke to the best of my knowledge. So here we go. This is... That did sort of sound like him. Yeah. All right, I heard hold a, on. I heard it tell me how am I supposed to live without you in there. <laughs> Nerd. Uh, all right. Hold on. Let me, let me find it here. Uh, but it's like the worst rhyming, too, that uh, our planet's getting hot, but our global warming plan is not. Oh, good Lord. Uh, let's see here. You're right. That does kind of sound like Michael Bolton. Hold on. Let me. How perfect would it be if Hillary Clinton had Michael Bolton singing? God, it's like the song. whitest people ever. Really, I mean, that would just be. Uh, and I have no idea who's behind this, but that would really be perfect in some. Oh, the song is how much the story that you. Uh-huh. 
Do you suppose people who sing things like this are embarrassed? Do you suppose they go home and they admit what they've done? This is Michael Bolton. Yeah. Said you were leaving. All right. Someone swept your heart away. Oh, right, hold on. But our global warming is not over and rain. So we know it's time for a change. I can't believe that Michael Bolton would do this. I don't know. No, and here's the thing. And look, and I, maybe uh, maybe on PC to say these things, but don't you don't you just assume that Hillary would make sure that the band that did this had all like ethnicities represented? Yes. I can't, you know, That's because true. can't you? I mean, you can see them bringing some all white band, and Hillary looking. No, no, it's not going to work. No, 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 sweet. Get some other colors in here, please. Uh, I can absolutely see her doing that. And it and it seems like if Michael Bolton was singing this. I mean, as odd as this sounds, they'd make a bigger deal out of it. They would advertise that fact. I'm going to skip ahead because it's not even half over. See, I don't know. I don't know. You, I, I really do hear what you're hearing there. Tell me all about it. Tell me about it. All right, I'm going to put uh, Hillary Clinton and Michael Bolton into Google right now. Can I play this while you're looking? Please, can you? Hillary Clinton. Michael Bolton. I don't know. She <laughs> turned around and Tim is gone. I looked I away for like three media. seconds and Tim is gone. Uh, it doesn't... Uh, no. Maybe he doesn't want to uh, be credited. Although, wait, uh, now, he is up now. It does say this. Michael Bolden, uh, singer Michael Bolden, is apparently a large contributor to her campaign. <gasps> it does say that. Uh, let me see here. Um, all right, uh, let's see. So he is a Hillary supporter. Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton um, has performed... At some Hillary Clinton fundraising events, and is apparently a a large dollar donator to her campaign. So, I mean, does it say? Does it specify who the artists are? No, no, I can't, no, Jesus, no, I, I <laughs> no, because I don't even know where this song came from. I mean, I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it somebody like just Michael sends Bolton's it voice to me. Aged a little. I wouldn't even know how to search for this <laughs> because. And that's true, because you're comparing 1991 Michael Bolton to 2008 Michael Bolton, yeah. theoretically, 17 years difference. And uh, it does sound a little older. And I, uh, boy, it's amazing the things you find when you Google certain terms like this. Third result for this is sexy pictures of Hillary Clinton. The, uh, I don't, because this song just appeared in my inbox, and then there's a YouTube video for it, but it doesn't, like, there's no information about the song. The video is just... It's just like bad campaign footage. Like it almost looks homemade. And maybe it's maybe it's not supposed to seem, um, maybe it's not supposed to seem like a, uh, a professionally done song. Maybe it's supposed to seem because isn't there like an Obama song that just came out that's kind of like this, where it's some like a, like an uptempo like R and B thing about getting behind Obama. So, all right. Well, let's. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, I have a question for you. Yes, is this about Hillary or is this about the legless guy or neither? Nothing. Okay. 
Um, Valentine's Day sucks, and I had a question. Okay. If I was in a relationship for six years, have a kid with somebody, and we break up like four months later, and she oh. takes out two different guys on Valentine's Day for free food, does that make her a whore by default? <laughs> Is this? No, I'm serious because I'm kind of pissed off about the whole thing. Sarah, wait, what? I'm gonna look up Michael Bolton stuff. You talked to me. No, I, 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 okay, no I said I was in a six-year relationship with somebody. We have a child together. We've been broken up for four months. I get a hold of her to, this morning to see if she wants to see our kid because I've had him for the last two days, you know? Uh-huh. She says, no, I'm getting ready to go have breakfast with somebody. And I was like, well, I thought you were going out with somebody later on tonight. She goes, well, yeah, I'm doing that, too. So by default, if she's got two dates after four months on Valentine's Day, default, does that make her a whore? Sarah, and does I that make her a whore? I don't know if that makes her. I, I don't. I don't know the situation. I, I mean, when you say whore, I mean, are are you? Well, I'm thinking whore, and I. I'm thinking whore. That's like <laughs> such a whore. Somebody asks you what you want for Christmas. Well, I'm thinking whore. Well, I mean, no, I could go for a slut, but right now I'm thinking whore. That's what I mean. So, so you're not. So you're not using whore as a catch-all term for like slut or something. No, it's just kind of like I don't know, like. In other words, you you've been broken up for how long? Oh, like four months. Four months. Now, are you? And so she is seeing, to your knowledge, two different guys today on Valentine's Day, each of whom is buying her a meal. Yeah, most likely. Now, do you think she's uh, going to be giving it up to? Uh, Who knows? So you don't I almost, think? I almost totally said the F word. So you think? Yes. So you think she's just chiseling free meals out of these guys? I have no idea. I, I, just, I don't. Just kind of I don't really know that I have the. Uh, I don't really know I, that I have the appropriate information, sir. No, I, I heard the Cure song the other day, and for some reason that keeps popping up on my iPod. And then um, Michael Bolton, who I hate with a passion, but still celebrate his entire catalog. And then just figured I'd, I don't know, call and change the subject. So I'm oh. supposed to hear about politics, and I thought I'd ask in case there would go. Yeah, dude, that's pretty horrorish. Get over it. Well, I mean, if she's going out with well, I mean, two different guys in one day... Uh, I don't know that that necessarily makes her uh, a whore or even slutty. If she's going out with two different guys and porking them both in one day because they bought her a meal, I think that makes her both. Okay, that would just be my read on it. Are you are you taking care of your uh, child tonight while she goes out with the guy? Yes, yes, I am. Then, <laughs> will, you, will you watch our child so that I can go have anonymous sex? Yeah, and then of course I got to drop him off tomorrow morning at like six a.m. before I go to work. Which is going to be pretty crappy. But fortunately, you know, I have Friday and Saturday off. Well, you, a... well, you know, don't be bummed out about it because, you know what, you might have made a beautiful, you know, one of God's children together. But well, if actually, she's, if here's she's a... a funny subject. You met my son. I've met your son? Yeah. He came in and talked about Star Wars. Oh, he was that guy. That guy. The guy that gave you the taser. Oh. That guy. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I have no. Yeah, yeah, this this guy's definitely. So he's a smart kid. At least I didn't get stuck with like some mongoloid child. Count one's blessing, sir. Make the glass half full. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got two extra tickets to the Smooch Knob Porn Stars and Rock Stars party on Saturday. If you guys want to go. Sarah would be all over that. <laughs> I'm actually going to an anti Valentine's Day party on. All right. Uh, all right. We have to run at the moment. Best of luck with your Valentine's Day, sir. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I don't think it's just me that's crazy. It's another one of those days where I think my craziness, I think I'm some weird microcosm. I think Valentine's Day brings out a very strange side of everybody. 
Yeah, I really was hoping that I'd be able to definitively say she was a whore or not. I wanted to be able to get... I, I, we, we, well, I remember. His name's Justin, right? I think so. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. We so rarely get questions like that. I mean, it's not like people really call well, up with a lot of... call, you, know, you can't see what they look like. It's like, do I know this person? Do I know his girlfriend? Am I being set up? Do right. I, am I going to say that this girl's a whore? And then all of a sudden I realize that she's, you know, a friend of a friend. And then, it, well, but, but it's like we so rarely get relationship questions, because really, honestly, who would ask us for any sort of advice on that? Uh, so when we do get a relationship question, it's like I always want to be able to go, sir, here's the answer to that. It, it, because I, I sort of feel like that's a thing we're not able to do. Like that's a, that's a sort of, because a lot of radio DJs and radio programs, that's sort of a, a, a staple of the, of the talk radio world. And, and, you know, even like morning DJs do that. Where somebody will have, somebody will write in, you know, like Tom, or somebody will write in or call in with a relationship question, and then people weigh in on it. Nobody ever asks us relationship questions at all, because, like, we're the worst people on earth to give advice there. So, whenever a guy does call with something like that, I always wish that we had the answer, and then we don't. Uh, let me see here. Just I have a little bit of information on the Hillary video. It doesn't clarify if it's Michael Bolton or not, though. Um, apparently, um, guy, uh, former Silicon Valley CEO Gene Wang... Uh, who made stuff for Hewlett Packard, among other people. Um, he created the song Hillary for You and Me. The song um, was filmed. He asked friends and acquaintances to gather at a, quote, secret location to film the video footage uh, for this tribute to Senator Clinton. But it doesn't actually specify who created the song. So, all right, well, in any event, so we'll, we'll keep looking into it. Are these all calls about the guys... These are all whore calls. Awesome. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Listen, I guess this could be our high concept Thursday. It is. It. I had is an, she a whore? I totally had. You know what? I, well, you know what my high concept Thursday was going to be? We were going to do. I don't even want to say it now because this is. It was going to be Yo Mama jokes. That oh, was going to be God, today's. I'm glad it's the whore one. Oh, I love Yo Mama jokes. They're fantastic. And I will the not. The one's more. more uh, Pertinent to today. I we'll think. save your mama for next week. I never get tired of those. Can I give a sample one? This is so early nineties. Okay, go. It's not, that is not. That's not true. And by the okay, way, we're gonna get a, no. We'll save this conversation for next week. I won't let Ashton Kutcher steal anything from like the general. Po I will not let Ashton Kutcher come by and claim ownership of something that predates him by like a hundred years. So he doesn't get to claim those. Okay. Just because we've got to save this conversation because they're calling about horse. Okay. I'm just saying, okay, Sarah. Can I give your sample question? I'm just saying, Sarah. Yo, mama's so fat. Oh, God. She eats wheat fix. Oh, yeah. Hi. I didn't even talk yet. All right, what's up, sir? <laughs> I am so over those yo mama jokes. Yeah, right? I live there forever, sir. What? How can I help you? Just want to talk to the guy, but I guess he's gone, right? The, the guy there. Uh, the yeah, guy, oh, he's, he's still out there. The guy with the girlfriend or ex who may be a whore, yes. I just wanted to give him a, a little bit piece of uh, um, advice to uh, document everything she does, you know, it might not seem like a big deal or, not, or nothing like that, but he's going to need that someday, you know, he has to like write it down on a calendar or something, everything she does, because, you know, he has to focus right now on his, on his, uh, on his little boy, you Does know? he keep track of when she's out whoring? <laughs> For the future? Yeah, basically, you know, especially... People are just... <laughs> it has become the like a show officially. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm that's, sorry. No, that's okay. okay. All right. Actually, uh, well, uh, well, I'm sure he's still listening, sir. So uh, he is he is hearing your advice now. Thank you. Yeah, hang in there, bro. I've been through the same thing. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right, bye. There you go. This is why we never do this topic, because I never know what to say. <laughs> well, seriously, who am I? Yeah, dude, let me tell you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hey, Rick. Hi. What is your advice for the guy who may or may not have an ex who's a whore? Well, by definition, is a whore is someone who pretty much sleeps with everybody. No, that's a slut. And then, well, no, a slut is the woman that sleeps with everybody but you. No, that's a bitch. That is a bitch. You're getting the joke. You're getting the joke <laughs> oh, all man. wrong. And we're leading in the licking. I'm just saying that's no. That's how it goes. A, a slut will sleep with anybody. A bitch will sleep with anybody but you. That's. That's that's older than your mama for jokes. money, right? Yeah, and a horse, a horrible sleep with anybody who has a hundred, or breakfast. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Okay, bye. Bye, Sarah. Yeah. Bye. Oh, there you go. No, no, that seems like a pretty simple. That's a known. That's one of those pieces of. Now I sound like one of the guys outside the gas and sip. We teach you Bibles full of truth. That's the that's the thing you learn in ninth grade. No, no, no. Slut will sleep with anybody. Bitch will sleep with anybody but you. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. That's what I, do, you, do you learn that in the same class where they teach you Butterface? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. And hey, Rick, is that me? Yes. Yes, it is you, hey, sir. how you doing? It's not a, uh, it's not a uh, horror story, I guess, exactly, but it doesn't involve my ex-wife. Uh-huh. And uh, she's a whore, so. <laughs> anyway, uh, yesterday. Uh, I should have seen Sarah. this earlier, by the way, as the high concept topic. The, tell well, me about your ex who is really a whore. I will digress quickly if it makes you feel any better. Uh-huh. Um, yesterday's top five list had uh, that Boyz II Men song yes. on it. Yes, I'm a love um, you. There is another song on that album that my ex-wife had. The whore? And there's something in there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of the, There's another song in there where they're singing about what they're going to do to some chick or whatever, but... Uh, one of the lines in there is something about, I'll wash your hair, and it's one of the greatest things. <laughs> really? Do you know the song, Sarah? Life. I'll wash, I'll your, wash hair? your hair? Yes. Yes. And, in fact, my ex-wife thought that that was done like the greatest thing ever, and I could not stop laughing every time. Yeah, girls are kind of weird. They're not like us. All right. Well, uh, what is your comment, sir? That was my comment. Oh, you really? You're, I thought you were going to weigh in on the guy's whore ex. I, I, whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right, thank you, sir. Show over. I don't know where we're going. I'm so confused today, and I don't think I've had enough coffee. Hi, you're on the, to the limit. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Well, Rick, I had a, a decent comment for Valentine's Day. Yes. And a big thank you to you because I am one of the hordes of delivery drivers that listens to you. Thank you, sir. And thank you for Pro Flowers. Oh, uh, not at all. We had uh, somebody else who emailed me. Uh, just uh, five, six minutes ago, a guy said, hey, my wife got, I don't email in front of me, but he basically said, hey, my wife just got her pro flowers. How great. So Yeah, she called me about 1 o'clock, loved them, thought I spent a mint on them. So thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you, sir. That. Excellent. Thank you. You bet. Bye. Bye. Oh, ridiculous. Oh, thank you. That guy called up just to say he patronized one of our advertisers. These Wonderful. are the most ridiculous li uh, lyrics ever. I'll rub your back, wash your hair, I'll do anything. I don't care. I'll cook your food, buy your clothes to the limit. I will go, I will go. Who wants a guy like that? Uh, not me. No, I mean, I say that knowing that many women probably say yes, but I'll be your doormat. That's They ought to just have that as a hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this she? <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> hello, hi. 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 I also used Pro Flowers today to send flowers to my husband. Thank you very much. Really? That's like the third attention uh, attention general sales manager. So you did and... make the right decision then. No, I'm just saying. it's. Uh, it... Yeah, and I just winked. You did wink at me just now. Yeah, because you can do that for like inside jokes. No, 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 that's that's totally true. Yeah. Uh, the uh, that's probably the only place where it's really where it's really acceptable. Or now. if you're playing a joke on somebody else and you're trying to get the other person's attention and know that you're messing with the other person. Like yes. Uh, uh I don't so even... about the whore. Yes, about the whore. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I just think she's smart. 
You know, if she can get you guys to buy her meals, oh, more power to hey, her. Hey, no, don't get me wrong. she puts out the better, because then they'll keep buying for her. Abs- and you know what? And Lycus would really tell you the same thing. Lycus would say absolutely the same thing, that if you're a woman, what is it to, what is it that... I can't believe I'm about to become that guy quoting Dr. Dre. Um, but there's that. But there's that. There's that line about you know if you made a man get all that you can get or whatever. Anyway, there's a, but the, look, if I could get chicks just to buy me breakfast, lunch, and dinner without really doing anything, I'd be. It, I, if I could go, it's like I, it's like guys always say that if like you know if I could, uh, you know, if, if somebody would pay me to be a stripper right now, I'm there. That's it. It's just it's so much easier for women uh, to get that. So if I was able to wring money out of guys by doing that, I'd be all over it. I wouldn't be here right now. You know. Scotty J throws money around just for bringing him drinks and smiling at him. So, you know, how just, perfect would that be? Just less of it to throw around now. Yeah. There's less of him to love. <laughs> I'm sorry. I well, I'm laugh. sure he's fatter. I mean, he's just sitting around. Sorry, Scotty. Thank Give you. Bye. Bye. Uh-huh. Do one more and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I have a definitive test to see if she's a whore or not. Okay. Count the number of cell phones on her front porch. Oh, that's mean. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> I don't get it. Is that a joke? I don't get it. Remember when... Um, Thank you. Goodbye. It's a movie yes, reference? Thank you. Uh, a movie reference? You know what? Since you don't remember, I'm not going to remind you. It's not even that I don't remember. I don't. It doesn't sound like anything I've seen. Okay. Is it something I've seen? What is it? Do you remember when there was um, some people coming through town and I let them crash in my living room? <gasps> ah, that's right. Yeah. Cell phones on the front porch, wrappers on the back. Oh, God. You know what I'm talking about. I know you're talking about. We're going to do a break here in just a second. AM 970, Solid State Radio. You understand that, you f***ing whore! Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up, we'll uh, we'll do this Sinatra thing, but actually, it's a good day to do this. It's a good day to die. We'll do this uh, Frank Sinatra thing here in just a second. Uh, coming up at 3, Tom Lycus. Oh, and plus today's Thursday, which means Lycus 101. So, uh, anyway, Valentine's Day, Lycus coming up at 3, uh, Lycus 101 at 5, Donna Mike at 7. This is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Breaking news from Illinois. Several people have been shot on the Northern Illinois University campus. The suspect reportedly killed himself, and the danger has passed. As many as 15 people have been brought to the hospital so far. And that's that there. Then uh, there is some good news for Hillary for a change. She has won the New Mexico caucus. Don't ask me what that is or what that implies. She may have gotten some delegates. So we'll... uh... I think they said, though, at this point, even if she, like, sweeps everything Mm -hmm. from here on, uh, she still is going to be required to grease all of those, like, every single superdelegate with promises of, uh, I don't know, whatever it is you promise people with cabinet posts or something. So, uh, I mean, she's still going to have to, like, every single political favor that is every chit, as they say, that is, uh, that is outstanding. Uh, they're going to have to call in every single one of those. And now all you rotten kids causing trouble on TriMet, they're going to take you to the county detention facility next time you act up. According to TriMet's security manager, apparently they have one. Her name is Shelley Lomax. It shows we're serious. We're not going to take it anymore. The young people are intimidating riders, getting into fights. And adding to the impression, actually it's a reality, that the system is out of control. <laughs> the TriMet security officer, really? Yeah, apparently there's a TriMet security That's officer. That's going to be a low-impact job. Mm-hmm. All right, now, use who cause uh, problems on TriMet. Don't face serious consequences, but they will beginning March 1st. So get it out of your system now. <laughs> Whippersnappers. Excellent. 
They're dangerous to themselves and others. They're not even interested in people who pay their fares. People who pay their fares are the... Wait, no, I was trying to... Luckiest people in the world. I was trying to do like a thing. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. hi. What's up, sir? Well, I was calling about the guy earlier. I personally think that uh, I'm taking his girlfriend out tonight. <laughs> I, I really do. And he needs to uh, quit a sniveling, get a babysitter, and get a hooker or something. Fair <laughs> enough, sir. That's a good point. Thank you for bottom lining it for us. All righty. Take All right, care. There we go. 37. All right. Here's Tim Riley. So according to this... Hillary just got one delegate? <laughs> really? That's that's like when you leave your waitress a 15-cent tip. I didn't forget so you. They, I just don't care. Maybe they're not done counting them yet. <laughs> Is that the lie she tells herself? It might be. <laughs> well, it doesn't. I mean, she's doing that Giuliani thing, though, of just, um, by which I mean losing. Uh, no, she's doing the thing of just, uh, remember Giuliani's whole thing of, no, 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 these other states don't count. I'm just going to win by getting Florida. Which, of course, didn't really work out. So I think her whole deal is she's going to duck all of these, you know, like in the Potomac states. You know, she didn't do that. So her whole, she's pinning everything on Ohio and um, and Texas. And apparently this one mighty delegate that she's got in New Mexico. So hurrah. Oh, listen to this. Loyal fans who tune in to watch back-to-back episodes of Girlfriends are saddened to know that the final two episodes of the long-running sitcom has been canceled. I don't even know what that show is. It's about Girlfriends. It uh, ran on the CW network. Well, that's oh, why you Well, that's okay. That is... <laughs> Mystery solved. It, it was canceled uh, following the end of the writer's strike. No, no one is <laughs> interested the, in writing That's anymore. the unkindest cut of all. Writer's strike over. Oh, except for you, because you're all fired. It, what's really weird about this is it's produced by Kelsey Grammer. Grammer? What? Really? Yeah. Well, okay. I guess you have to write something while you're in rehab. Whatever. Girlfriend? It's a long-running sitcom? That's what it says. You ever see the, the, the long-running sitcom shows that have been on for like 40 years, and, and then they're in the news somehow, or they get canceled, and you realize that you've never even heard of them? Mm-hmm. Like they'll be like, what's it? That um, that uh, 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 God, what is that show I'm thinking of? It, what is the one with Ty Pennington? Is that the is that the not house flip one? this house though? That's not flip this house. Is it um? It's where they yeah no I know exactly where he goes about. and it's like you know it's He's like a, a village full of blind people or something and they build him a shack you know something like that where he shows up with his Dane Cook hair and a hammer um, that but there'll be some show that's on and it, it everybody talks about it, and then it, then it finally goes away and you're sort of unaware that it was even there they did the same thing with the Bionic Woman remake by the way the oh, writers yeah, where did that go the, the writers strike ended and like the same day the writers strike oh and uh, you're canceled I mean it's a like, great way to get rid of things blame it on the writers like you couldn't um. Like you couldn't have canceled it during the writer's strike to give everybody a head start on finding work. No, no, no. Just wait until the last minute. Jesus. All right. I'm so, going to take my bag with the picture of... I was going to ask which one is Tonto and which one is Missy, but I think it's self-explanatory. I think the donkey is Tonto. Right. Yeah. And Missy would be the goat. Because she's a girl. The donkey. All right. So before you go to prepare more news, Tim, which you certainly mm-hmm. are, more news that we'll hear... I never want to see that picture of that donkey again. Four, five, six, and seven. I have one of one of the more flattering pictures of the donkey. One of the more flattering pictures <laughs> At of the... a different angle yeah. than the other two. I love how there's the, the one five legged the side angle, and then all of a sudden it's like five times bigger. The best part is that Helen felt it necessary to include all sections of the donkey's anatomy in the photos. Like, you wonder if she kept taking photos until she was sure that she'd gotten everything in there. We didn't get the Disney version. <laughs> no. All right, Tim. Uh, we don't have time to do with these all today, uh, but somebody did give me, it's a list of Frank Sinatra's, there's a great book, by the way, called The Way You Wear Your Hat, which is sort of this 
it's not a biography, but it's kind of a sort of a, a guide to style, sort of the Frank Sinatra way. And it's everything from the type of drinks he would have to literally the way he would wear his hat to the kind of ties he would wear to sort of quotes from him on social you know norms or etiquette or whatever. But this one is actually, it's just a long list of Frank Sinatra slang terms. So now, Tim, I will throw out the slang term. We'll do a few of these every day. See if you can uh, tell me what they mean. Some of these are easy, such as bag. Can you use that in a sentence? It's in the bag. It actually has two meanings. That's oh, one of them. Old bag? bag, or as in my bag, a person's particular interest. Oh, that's the Sammy Davis Jr. phrase. Is that true? Really? So it's not so much Sinatra as it is Sammy. I, I would say so. Okay. Um, here's this one. I've never heard of some of these. Um, a beetle, B-E-E-T-L-E. A beetle, a girl who dresses in fancy clothes. Ah, oh, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> How about this? Some of these are great. Bird, B-I-R-D, not a woman. Bird, a euphemism sometimes used in reference to what this article calls the pelvic section, which is great because that's in that's in that movie, The Rat Pack with Ray Liotta, uh-huh. where JFK is staying at Frank's house and like Judy Campbell has been in the bedroom with JFK and, and JFK walks out and he's got like a mart. It's like eight in the morning and JFK comes out and he's got like a bathrobe and a martini. He goes, Frank, the bird has flown. Let's see, Endsville. E-N-D-S-V-I-L-L-E, Endsville. Like a dead end? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Similar to Bombsville. Um, Fink. Uh, a bad person. Yes. Yeah. Finally, gas. G-A-S. It's a gas. It, as in to be uh, uh, an enjoyable event. I think that's another Sammy Davis Jr. phrase. <laughs> really? Yeah. You should, you'll have to go through and break these out for me. Also, there's the uh, they have some of these here that are they say have no known meaning or or too many meanings to be quantified, such as ring-a-ding. Ring-a-ding, which apparently is used in so many situations that its true meaning can't. Another one is Clyde. Clyde, a word used to cover a multitude of personal observations, such as I don't like her Clyde. I'm going to start working this into I'm going to start working this into all my lexicon. Clyde. Excellent. All right. So we'll do like five of these every day. We'll work our way through. Where do those come from? Theartofmanliness.com, Tim. Theartofmanliness.com. Actually, I guess there's no thoughts. Just artofmanliness.com. And it is. stumble across this. uh, You know, some guy sent it to me. Um, as is always, as is the case with about 98% of the things we Well, yeah, we do very little original work here ourselves. (laughs) We just open up emails and print them. That really is what it is. I mean, that's it. We really sort of are a news aggregation service. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at uh, 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, top of the hour all the way through uh, Lycus. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back and wrap things up uh, around the corner. Uh, Lycus at 3, Don and Mike at 7. Stay there. We'll return after this on the Rick Evans Radio Program. the saddest part of the broadcasting day. Final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. You know, tomorrow I'll be back to normal. You know, my brain isn't functioning today. All my thoughts are inside. None of them are connected. Like a... Uh... You know what my brain is like today? My brain is like one of those Revell models that has just come out of the box and has not yet been assembled. Before we do anything else, let's... Uh... It's called Sex Panther. By Odeon. 
always pungent. So now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, so uh, it, Sarah and I were wondering how to fill this last five minutes, the awkward five minutes at the end of the show. <clears throat> Not long enough to do like a real you know, topic or whatever. Uh, oh, were we, were we going to maybe do that, Richie, and then maybe that topic? Well, that was my thing. And so Sarah had this idea of, of throwing up at the phone lines, as they say. Because everybody does know, what are you and your loved one doing tonight? Where are you taking your special gal or guy? Screw that. So uh, oh, instead, no. what we're going to do now in the final five minutes of the program is we will not take calls from uh, single or unattached. I don't have. I don't know how if there's some word I'm supposed to use, but oh, it was single people. people. Um, we will be asking now in this final segment of the program, single people, what you are doing tonight on Valentine's Day. I have a theme song for it too. It is 503-733-2970. It. When I was young. Oh. <laughs> so if you're single, what will you be doing tonight, Valentine's Day evening? 503-733-2970. We'll start with Sarah. Sarah, you tonight, Valentine's Day? I am, I think, going over to my friend's house for a dinner party and drinking lots of champagne. Is this uh, a party of other single people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think uh, he's going to make dinner and then we're all going to watch Lost and then go out on the town. Excellent. All right. Uh, <laughs> Richie Bristol? Well, my ex, my second Xbox blew up, so now I gotta... You've had two of your three Xboxes? Yeah. Did you see that story today that they have a 16% failure rate? Yeah, mine's two-thirds, whatever. 16% of Xboxes are now expected to go belly up. I mean, it's a great, it's a great gaming system, best I've ever played. 16%... <laughs> wow. 16% failure rate. All right, so, uh, big plans for the Pimp Squad tonight? Uh, well, me, I think, personally, I'm gonna go try to get silver. <laughs> You're going to try to get silver. Is that code silver? for something? Silver, the dancer, a crop. I don't, I've never been like, like, like I go there. Like, I'm, like, we're looking <laughs> like we hang, like we're regulars. And well, don't call it the crop. Oh, okay. Well, Aaron Duran told you that was my favorite dancer. Oh, oh wait, was that the girl that... creepy, too? Well, she likes me. No, I put my wallet on Stripper's the rack. Never you put your you. wallet on the rack. Well, That's the way to get her respect. Uh, well, are you are you really going to try to pick up a stripper at the Acropolis tonight? No. What are you... Do, I'm going so for the steak. <laughs> okay. No, I haven't figured that out. The Pimp Squad wants to go out and play a game, but... What is the game that Pimp Squad wants to play, though I don't already know the answer to this uh, question? See who can get the most chicks to kiss him. All right. Uh, Timmy would win that one. Antibiotics at the door. <laughs> Hi, you're uh, on the Rick Emerson Show. What are you doing tonight? Well, you know what? Um, now that I just heard uh, this whole Richie thing... Yeah. Um... <laughs> Thank you. All right, that was funny. Oh, I just hung up on somebody. Sorry. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What up, Rick? Hi, what are you doing tonight, sir? I'm going to be watching Lost, and that's about it right there. Yeah. Excellent. Well done, my friend. All, All right. right. You guys have a good one. Thank you. All right. If you're single, sorry, if you're single, what are you doing tonight, Valentine's Day evening? Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You porn and popcorn. Which, in what order, sir? Porn or popcorn first? You porn and popcorn. I know, but I mean together or like one and then the other? Ew. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't made up my mind about that yet. Maybe now, porn, uh, then popcorn. And, about it. I'm just saying, porn and then popcorn and then maybe <laughs> porn again like 12 minutes later. Maybe I should go to Cheetos, huh? You know that joke. Yes, I do. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. If you're single, what are you doing tonight? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. 
Hey, Rick. I'm hey. actually going to end up working, and I'm a delivery driver for uh, Delivered Dish, so I'm going to be... Uh, delivering, delivering meals food. to happy Valentine's Day couples. <laughs> Most likely, or possibly some single girls. Who knows? There hey, there you go. Hey, I'm the definitely... dude, you are totally onto it, though. If you deliver food to a girl's house tonight and she's by herself, I mean, come on. You're in. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, I'm going into work early, and I'm going to have a little bag of uh, Hershey's Kisses for all my uh, deliveries. And, Look at uh, that. Look at that. Yeah. The Mac. <laughs> all right, sir. Keeping your pimp hand strong. Well done. And living the dream. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, if you're single, what are you doing tonight at Valentine's Day? Hello. It's you. Oh, is that me? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's hilarious because I always laugh at people that end up doing that. I'm like, hello, you're an idiot. How do you know you're not, not on the air? And then I just did it myself. I'm an idiot. Welcome I, to the club. I'm a glorious bastard. Okay, Excellent. so my very best friend, hetero life mate, and I are making a kick-ass awesome dinner for ourselves tonight. We are going to go sit in her hot tub and drink champagne and then come back inside and watch that. Excellent. Now, if you, yeah. have, if you have enough champagne, might you make out? Uh, no, not so much. Oh. As I said, hetero life mate, best yeah. friend in the whole world, love her to death, but, uh, not in that way. I have nothing, I have no joke okay. with which to talk. You have really noticed that all the single people that are calling in, maybe it's the trend with all of us. We're watch Lost. Lost. <laughs> Every single one. All right, excellent. All right, happy Valentine's Day to you and your hetero life mate. Oh, thank you, Rick. Best show ever. Thank Bad you. Tim. Happy VD to you. All right, bye now. All right, yeah. couple more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, what are you doing tonight? Uh, well, I'm headed down to Spirit Mountain Casino. They're doing a singles night party down there, and uh, it should be a good time. It was a great time last year. Easy to meet people, lots of women, and uh, everybody's there for the same reason. And We're if you all can, single. You know, and if you're at Spirit Mountain, you find a woman who maybe is not only drunk, but has just lost her rent, you know, for the, for the oh. month. And oh, absolutely. She'll be needing some comfort. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. I think a final call. Uh, if you are single, what are you doing on Valentine's Day tonight? Watching Lost and getting drunk with my dog. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Thank you, my friend. There you Best go. Show All ever. right. Thank you, sir. All right. Good idea, Sarah. Well done. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Bob Costantini, Steve Kastenbaum. Are we done? 